guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm MK, and this week, Prue is off being fancy or getting drunk and antiquing or something like that. Same difference. All of the above. All of the above. Uh, so instead, we are joined by Leanne Centaur. Leanne? Hey. Hey. Um, and we're going to talk about Sailor Moon, because there is a lot happening with Sailor Moon now, which uh, has baffled my mom extensively. <laughs> Is it baffled her, or is she like, oh god, not this again? I think it's a little bit of both, but the other day, uh, we were driving somewhere, and I told her, like, the cost of some of the old Sailor Moon stuff, if you're, like, reselling it on the internet right now, <laughs> and she, like, swerved lanes and was like, you need to sell everything in your room at home! <laughs> and I was like, my stuff is not in good condition, also it's, I want to keep it. Your stuff is too loved. Yeah. It's <laughs> been... Too many teenage years in bed with you, like, curling up with it when you were asleep. and Yeah. Well, I also had, like, I had a stuffed toy Luna that would move and, like, play the Sailor Moon theme song when you flipped a switch. Yeah, but I think that my mom, like, deliberately broke it so it would no longer make sound because it was probably (laughs) driving her crazy. Yeah, that sounds fair, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So why don't you give everyone a little background about your Sailor Moon history? Uh, Sure. Uh tumultuous I, i'm honestly a little surprised you guys are having me back after the, the yaoi episode <laughs> <laughs> was it season two i think wasn't it yeah it's been a while yeah. that was a very popular episode oh good bad i don't know i feel like that was a bad influence on a lot of people although in retrospect you did cut out the worst part <laughs> <laughs> we always cut out the worst for a while it's like yeah that should not be recorded for human ears mm-hmm. um yeah uh i like a lot of moonies from the 90s uh Moonclutz and I are sort of contemporaries. We're a couple of years apart. So Sailor Moon came out and we were sort of early teenagers. Um, I was a big fanfic writer uh, back in the mid-90s. And at that point, um, most of the stuff that was for Sailor Moon was marketed for kids. They had brought it over here and they did that crazy dub. And um, they were sort of, uh, I mean, if you wanted to buy Sailor Moon toys, the way that uh, Moonclutz was just saying, you'd get kind of these kitty toys. I remember seeing like, oh my god, there's Sailor Moon shoes, like sneakers in the store, and they were like size child four, you know, for like infants. And of course, there was a really big teenage fandom online. Um, And then Tokyo Pop, which at that point was Mix Mix Entertainment, advertised that they were going to be doing these Sailor Moon novels that were sort of for for kids, and they had a little excerpt from them. And I wrote a strongly worded letter to the company (laughs) saying, like, you should hire a fan fiction writer for this. I don't think you understand our community. You know, the the fandom's a lot older than you think it is, blah, 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 blah. Um, And they wrote back and were like, do you want to apply? Which was really kind of the best response you can get to um, an astronomy (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Fuck you guys. You don't understand us. They're like, do you want a job? Do you want a job, young lady? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, there were a couple other people applying at the time, but... Um, they didn't know that I was 17 when I applied. So once they found out, they were like, oh man, you're hired. Like we want like a, like the idea of a teenage girl doing this. Cause it was for teenage girls. Um, so I wrote a bunch of those, the, uh, the CEO of Tokyo Pop, Stu Le- Levy, who I think kind of everybody knows, or Stu Levy, I think it might be pronounced. Um, I don't remember after all these years, I just call him Stu. Um, he wrote the first book and then he and I co-wrote book two and then I wrote books three through eight. So I don't know if anybody remembers these. They were, well, they were bad, but let's put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I did a terrible job because I was 17. Um, and I went through a bunch of editors uh, over the course of it and uh, they were for reading level four. So like ages eight to 12. Yeah. Uh, they did, you know, they sold really well. And for years I had 
like parents coming to me and being like, oh, this is the only book I could get my kids to read. So ultimately, I feel like <laughs> I'm really happy that I did it, uh, even though now they're just a terrible shame. Like, I don't like, I have a couple copies of them, and every once in a while people take them off my bookshelf, but I just like, take them out of their hands and throw them in the fire. I'm like, <laughs> don't, do not read these. Uh, you know, if you're an adult, and especially not in retrospect, do not read them. But uh, at the time, it was kind of a fun thing. And you know, all those books had to get the approval from Kodansha when we'd send them back. Seriously? And they, oh, yeah. they And there was some issue at one point where they had to destroy a bunch of books because there was some kind of an error in it, which I don't know is something I should be talking about, but considering this was so long ago that a company doesn't really exist in the same format anymore. But there was, like, an overseer, which shocks me because I changed the hell out of those books. Like, they were basically fanfics. They were they were based off of the the cartoon show, um, including the Japanese episodes that didn't air over here. Mm. But I just started changing shit because I was like, eh, there should have been more Tuxedo Mask in this. Or I don't like this plot point. I'm going to change it <laughs> and make it better. I want a scene where, you know, um, Serena has her head in Ray's lap and she's stroking her hair and telling her everything's going to be okay. I'll just write all that. And it all got through. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, all of that sounds great to me. I'm like, yeah, that is what I would want. <laughs> well, you know, I'd been doing fan fiction for so long and nobody was stopping me. So I was just like, I want to... And I mean, I was such a humongous fan of Sailor Moon that these were all loving changes. Like it was like, well, I feel like we can make this better or we can make this more interesting yeah. with a couple decisions that were bad because I was 17 and I wasn't thinking everything through. I think that at one point Sailor Moon defeats Jedi through the power of hate. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I had, yeah. Um, but, but I mean, that's what I remember anyway. I haven't touched them in about 10 years. They, they went out of print 15 years ago. <laughs> Those were, uh, when I was a kid, I really wanted those. And I think I told you before that, like, my parents were very against Sailor Moon because they believed that it would uh, lead to a skewed female body image, which I'm like, I kind of get that. However, everything else that you let me see, do, watch, plus, like, general exposure to the media, like, I was going to be fucked anyway. Uh, So I wasn't allowed to have anything Sailor Moon unless I bought it with my own money and had to, like, save that shit for the manga. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess we've been sidetracked a little bit. Okay, so, because I've gotten some messages from some of our listeners saying that they have never watched Sailor Moon before, or read it, or whatever, they missed it. Tragedy. Um, I know, such a tragedy. It was, like, such a key part of my (laughs) building as Roman. Oh, yeah. Um, We should do a little brief overview of Sailor Moon. So, I'm going to start, but please cut me off if I'm being a dumbass, because as evidenced by every episode of Slash Report, I'm awful at this. (laughs) Well, I think I think it's important to begin by saying Sailor Moon isn't so much a show as it is a lifestyle that it it, it sucks you in, and particularly depending on the age you are, because I'm sure some of your listeners, even though they are supposed to be 18, are you know 12. Yeah. So for them, it's like Sailor Moon is this like cocoon of beauty that surrounds you and helps you develop in this shell that is both positive and negative. <laughs> you know, there's so, a lot of positive in it, and There is, yeah. It impacted me a lot. Um, (laughs) Much to my mother's chagrin. (laughs) (laughs) Too late. Too late. It's still going. It's been 20 years. It's still happening. It's coming back. (laughs) It's coming back stronger (laughs) than ever. Oh, yeah. All right, Uh, please. Okay, so Sailor Moon is uh, based on the premise that, like, a thousand years ago, there was a beautiful civilization on the moon run by uh, a queen. It's like a matriarchy, a beautiful matriarchy. (laughs) <laughs> you can see why we were all like, ooh, a matriarchy. 
mm. um, which is attacked by a great evil that like destroys it all. But at the heart of this civilization is the princess of the moon, Serenity, who has fallen in love with a prince from Earth uh, called Endymion. Uh, and they tragically die in the final battle in like the most epic and tragic. <laughs> it's so dramatic when they do this. The... Sucks. Oh god, you don't understand. I'm <laughs> like, this is like the most traumatizing. Thing. It's so traumatizing, and they have weird fake British accents, and it's great. <laughs> no, they just don't use contraction. <laughs> that too. They just don't use contraction. They're formal. Oh god. Uh, Continue. Sorry. Um, yes, and big tragedy. It's a huge tragedy. And the queen is heartbroken. She's like one of the only survivors of this terrible, terrible tragedy, along with her two talking cat advisors. Because mm. talking cats, that's normal. Um, and so she's... <laughs> On your cabinet, no less. Yeah. <laughs> They're like basically the government. <laughs> I think this sounds awful, but it's so good. <laughs> um, with the last of her strength and with this like magical super weapon called the Ginzui Show, which is like a silver crystal. Basically, silver imperium crystal. yeah, silver imperium crystal turns everyone into little like soul gems and sends them through time and space to like earth a thousand years from now where they will be reborn and hopefully live peaceful, happy lives and, you know, fall in love all over again. Uh, except that a bunch of evil gets sent as well. Of course. <laughs> of course it does. And when the story begins, Usagi, or Serena, who is our main character, is like a extremely clumsy, terrible at math, basically failure of a 14-year-old girl. Um, and she's secretly a moon princess, and she has no idea until she rescues a cat from some kids who are torturing it, because kids are the worst. <laughs> um, and that cat is like, P.S., I can talk, and you're a secret superhero. It's time to go fight evil, and she is the worst at it, which is why you can totally identify with her. Oh, yeah. Uh, and obviously, you meet everyone else who is from the Moon Kingdom, and she has, like, a weird... She hates this super attractive guy, but she loves him, sort of. <laughs> and of course, it turns out that he's the prince, and through their many adventures, all sorts of moon princess magic shit is revealed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty good summary. And... Her court on the Moon Kingdom was also sent with her. So these are girls in the community who she ends up meeting who are secretly like, you know, the Princess of Mars, the Princess of, of Mercury, etc. Yeah. Um, I, were they actually... No, they were the princesses. Yeah, they were princesses. Yeah. And they were like her soldiers. And yeah. this new, you know, this new era, they're also soldiers. Like, like Sailor Moon, who was a princess who had this like basic, um, you know, deus ex machina power now actually has slightly more applicable, like, uh, more gritty superhero powers, where it's, like, kind of a, a boiled-down version of, I'm in this pretty dress, and I change everyone. It's, like, now you're in a mini skirt and your gem goes on top of this little wand, and you go fight monsters of the day, and you whack them with the wand, and then they get purified. So it's, it's kind of like she's put to work. <laughs> she is put to work. This is one of the interesting things where, like, all of the other sailor soldiers are so fucking good at their jobs. Like, they're oh, just yeah. great at it. And she is so awful at it most of the time. And you're like, at first you're like, what the hell? Like, one, it's really obvious that you were the moon princess because your name is Sailor Moon, but nobody seems to clue in. <laughs> Magically. They're, they're like, like, where's the moon princess? Why it, do we have this extra sailor scout? <laughs> it must be Sailor V. She must be the moon princess. She's so beautiful and graceful. Um, but, like, when you think about the fact that she's never had to fight in her past life, like, there was nothing to build on, right? It's like if somebody oh, yeah. gave me a wand and was like, go fight evil, and I'd be like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I 
am the worst at this. Like, I was raised in relative privilege. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. Um, my main focus is, like, can I not fail math this year? Like, I really identified with her as a kid. I was like, <laughs> I'm failing math, I'm super clumsy, and I would be awful at this. Yeah. And she's, like, a glutton and... Um, like Spacey and she just likes like, comics and video games. Oh yeah, I mean she's just a kid, but yeah. her real strength is that <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. She feels very strongly, so strongly, uh, and yeah. like really believes in caring for people. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 power that she has is most effective when she's using it to protect people, and she feels very you know she's a really good friend. Um, she's a very empathetic person, so it's sort of like the power of her heart is incredibly effective in this series. So, Which is one of the reasons I think she was actually kind of a great role model when I was a kid, because, like, yeah, you know, that's the kind of thing that you should really be focusing on. It's not like, am I good at this, or am I good-looking, or whatever. It's like, how much do I care about people, and, like, how good of a friend or a person am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, the, the, the other... Um, I'm going to stop using the old Deke names because uh, sure. it's not going to be relevant for an entire new generation, but the Sailor Soldiers, um, the rest of them, you know, they're a lot better at fighting in their respective jobs, but they're also teenage girls as well, you know, modern and everything. They don't, none of these people remember their past lives. Like, like they have to basically get it shown in like a slideshow when they teleport <laughs> to the moon. Uh, but like, they all have problems too. They all have different sorts of problems. You have Ray, who's kind of like overly passionate and, and, has a temper and then like Jupiter is like, I'm too, I want to be pretty and feminine, but I'm also kind of huge and massively strong. And uh, Mercury is just a big old nerd. I mean, so there's, I mean, in every kid who grew up with Sailor Moon, one of the way that you, you know, as soon as you met another Moony, you, you would just say, say like, which one are you? Which one are you? Exactly. That'd be the first question. You'd be like, oh, I didn't know you were into Sailor Moon. Which one are you in your group? And you'd be like, oh, I'm Jupiter or I'm Venus. And you would instantly would understand assignment. them. Huh? You would instantly understand that person. You'd be like, oh, that's who you are. I have, like, a total package view of you now. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of a fair amount of the time, people got those assignments based on whose hair was the most similar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had the problem of I looked a lot like Sailor Jupiter, and people would be like, you were totally Jupiter. And I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that was kind of, that's actually a really good summary. And then it goes on for many seasons. So Yeah, the, um, plus the movies. Plus the movies, yeah. So the original series was 200 episodes broken up into five se five seasons. One of the seasons kind of had a sub-season. R was sort of split in two, which we may or may not get into. And Sailor Moon uh, Crystal, which is starting up soon, is going to be following the manga. And I don't know how long that's going to go for, but the manga followed the same general arcs as the show. But the show expanded them. Yeah, the manga is so condensed comparatively. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, the manga's, well, now they've re-released it in fatter volumes, but when it originally came out in Japan, it was 18 volumes long. Now I think it's 12, like, one and a half, you know, they're, they're fat. Yeah. It's so weird, all these things that were relevant 20 years ago, now it's like the format's completely different, and all of my knowledge is useless. <laughs> I yeah. think uh, one of the interesting things is uh, the manga, and what I'm hoping that they will carry forward in Sailor Moon Crystal, is that there were some serious differences between the manga and the anime originally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the thing that bothered me the most, honestly, was that when you read the manga, uh, Mamoru is, like, 17 years old. So yeah, it's, like, a little that weird a that they're in love because she's 14, but, like, not that weird. Whereas well, in, she met him on, like, the bus to school. Yeah. Like, he went to a school, like, across town. Yeah. Yeah, and they have, like, a really, like, a, an adorable meet-cute, and they have more interaction in the manga, and, like, you really feel the, the build of the romance. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the anime, he's like 24 or something. I, I think he's 20, but he's 20 uh, point taken. Still. <laughs> that was like some Kunihiku Ikuhara shit right there. He was like... Well, it's funny if you like if you watch the the old anime and you sort of <laughs> analyze his characterization. It's pretty clear that he doesn't want to be hanging out with all these preteen girls, but like <laughs> he's running into them and he keeps kind of getting dragged into their garbage. And once or twice he's dating them, but like I think half the time he didn't realize it was a date necessarily. He just thinks <laughs> that like, he's like hanging out like, with these kids, and they're like, "I am so yeah. on a date with him." Yeah, he's like, "You need to ride home." They're like, "Oh my god." He loves me. <laughs> Which and is also, pretty apt for, like, 14-year-old girls. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's actually fairly realistic in that sense that you really get this impression that it's mostly on their end, and he's just kind of like, oh, well, I guess I'm kind of ingrained now that I know that I'm this prince. <laughs> um, but there's there's also um, the character Motoki, who's also in the live-action version, yeah. who basically runs the arcade. So he's also, like, 20. He's Mamoru's, like, best friend, and he runs the arcade that the girls always hang out in. I think in the in the live-action it was karaoke. Yeah, so in in the sh- in the live action show, I think it was a karaoke parlor where they yeah. actually had their meetings. Um, they have their like the, secret base. Yeah, and in the anime and the manga, both it was an uh, arcade. Now, in the arcade, before she met Sailor Venus, she was getting her mission, some of these mission goals from <laughs> the, the Sailor, Sailor V video game. game. <laughs> yeah, because Sailor, so that's another thing to establish. So Sailor V was the first of the girls to get awoken um she was in i think she was in london wasn't yeah she, she was yeah she's japanese but she was living in london and, and working with the of, police yeah she had her own little adventures in that manga is finally in english for the first time like as of like a year ago um codenamed sailor v where she was basically she had her own cat and she had sort of her own adventures so by the time that sailor moon was sort of awoken she already knew who Sailor V was and was like, oh my god, Sailor V is the coolest. I really like all this Sailor V merchandise. I like playing the Sailor V game. I wish I could be like Sailor V. And then they're like, by the way, you're Sailor Moon. That may or may not be more important <laughs> down the line. Because they don't know in the beginning that she's the princess, even though it's yeah. really obvious. It's really obvious. Okay, they so even have the same stupid hairstyle. Yeah, <laughs> there's like 90 reasons why she's definitely the princess. My favorite, though, is when Mamoru has, like, prophetic dreams about the princess, like, calling him to do something. And you can just see the outline of, like, these meatballs on top of her head and the pigtails. And he's like, I have no idea who that could be. And then we'll, like, run into Usagi, who has the only person in Tokyo with that hairstyle. Except for his daughter. Except for <laughs> his daughter. Wanna, and you don't want to make that mistake again, because it yeah. happens all the time. <laughs> weird incest under undertones going on there Japan. but that's the later season and things get freaky yeah that's a good intro i think yeah okay so i guess that's your rough outline of sailor moon but to be clear the things that were there are a lot of different versions of sailor moon that we're going to be referencing yeah. in this episode and that we've already referenced and i'm really sorry if you were confused so there's the manga which is the original form of sailor moon which is like the comic books then you have the anime, which is, like, the original anime from, like, when we were kids, like, in the yeah. 90s. 92 to 97. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's the live-action Sailor Moon. Oh, man. Which, oh, my God, I got really into in university. Um, it's, like a, like, a TV show played by real people, and it was, again, aimed at children, but, like, I mean, seriously, Sailor V was dying of leukemia in that. Like, <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, and it was also a reinterpretation. They, they yeah. kind of redid a lot of stuff, and it was really interesting. It and was really interesting. Rebecca, who MK knows, she's a 
works at Sparkler Monthly with me, she never liked the Sailor Moon anime, which almost kept us apart <gasps> because you can't, yeah. Yeah, yeah betrayal. <laughs> betrayal, yeah. But she actually really liked the live action. So even though the live action is really cheesy, especially at first, it's got kind of weird CG effects. It's largely kind of like Power Rangers. It is. There's like people in, mon- in monster costumes and, you know, explosions coming out of the ground and stuff. But um, the storyline was like very classic Japanese drama, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, sort of if you combined a Japanese drama with Power Rangers and made the whole thing really feminine and kind of dark. Yeah, so um, anybody who tries it in like five episodes and they're like, I can't freaking take this. It's like, well, you might not want to watch it in a group because it, it can be a little embarrassing. You're like, oh my God, this is so cheesy. But, but it's, it's so really good. pretty interesting. <laughs> the uh, So my roommate at the time was like my college roommate. We moved out of the dorms. We like moved into a house together. We would wait and stay up late for the episodes to be released as fan subs online download them and then like push my bed up against my desk so that we could watch it together and like sing along with the opening theme like the works because we're both like super sailor moon nerds yeah and this is when you're what 20 yeah like about that yeah (laughs) um but what's great is she would go to class and she had this tutorial once a week in like I feel like it was, like, an ancient Chinese culture or, like, political science or, like, something pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And they were waiting for the the TA to arrive one day. And they're sitting there. And there's this, like, older man in her class. He's, like, I don't know, probably 30 or something, you know, like, just going back to school. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there humming one of the songs that Sailor V sings as, like, a pop idol. Oh, my God. And she just looked at him. And she was, like, <laughs> I know what that is. And I know what it's from. And he turned bright red and was like, my wife got me hooked. <laughs> I can't stop. It's so catchy. And she was like, I know. The dog whistle. See, this happened um, when I was in high school. So because, again, Salem was kind of a culture. If you were into it, a lot of the times, a lot of the time you were really into it. I mean, there was a period of time where it was like kind of the popular thing in school to watch. Mm-hmm. That like all the, the girls in my class were like, oh, you know, even the popular girls were like, oh, I really like the show. And I was like, really? Like, it's a cartoon show. What are you guys talking about? And then I watched it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but um, there was, if you were really into it, there were little codes and dog whistle things that you would do to kind of meet other people. So, for example, if you had a Sailor Moon button on your bag, um, if you had a Sailor Moon book that you would just kind of carry out on the outside of your books in your arm. Um, but there was one kid that I met because we were doing a group band orchestra practice and he was playing um, Alan's flute song. <laughs> On like, and I was like, someone's signaling me. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's passing a secret message. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like it was, I mean, it was really a cult. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's kind of what it was. And and this was how you, this is early fandom, guys. Before the internet would really connect you and do this weird shit. (laughs) It was exceedingly difficult. Yeah, I mean, it was like this whole underground thing. And, you know, when kids would come, uh, I met a bunch of kids. They were visiting the school for Model UN. And they had like a sticker on somebody's notebook. And I was like, dude. And so that's how I made friends in this other town. And they had friends that they'd met in the other town. And it was this, this network of Moonies. Um, again, you shouldn't use Moonies because it's an actual church. <laughs> like, Seriously? Yeah, the Moonies are a type. Because I remember I used to say that my mom's like, well, you're not a Moonie, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I love Sailor Moon. Of course I'm a Moonie. It was a, a Sailor Moonie. So, uh, Amazing. Yeah, 90s fandom, man. No, I just, my only connection with people was like, uh, via the mailing list that I started. Oh, yeah. Um, because I wasn't allowed anywhere without an escort. Mm. So, you know, 
I had very limited contact with anyone outside of my school, and yeah. not many people in my school liked Sailor Moon until I was, like, uh, a little bit older. Yeah. Which was kind of sad. I was like, I can't, I, I'm just gonna be on the internet all day talking about this. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it turned out that my college roommate frequented the same Sailor Moon chat room as me, uh, like, when the internet was a pretty new thing. Mm-hmm. And we knew each other. And we didn't know that until we, like, moved into residence. Oh, wow. It was really weird. I was like, hold on, you used to hang out there? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I used to hang out there. Uh, <laughs> really, really weird, small world. Or just an excellent roommate survey. <laughs> Hard to say which. Yeah. Um, a, yeah, I want to say that question. Like, Answer the following sentence. I stay up all night doing blank. It's like <laughs> having sex loudly in the room while other people are there. Drinking heavily. <laughs> studying watching Japanese cartoons <laughs> on crappy VHS tapes. Because that was that was the other thing that, like, we, you know, the, you were talking about fan subs, which I think might be the only way that you can watch the live action in English. I mean, obviously, we're not encouraging fan subs because you could go buy the Japanese DVDs, but it was never formally released in English. Um, but back then it was like, um, the, the only way that I kept up to date with what was happening with Sailor Moon in Japan is there was this guy named Tito Shidoi, who ran this big Sailor Moon page, and he would summarize every episode yes. with a paragraph when it came out. Yeah, That's so what I, would, I did, too. I read his totally. page, like, religiously. Oh, I know. You'd be like, oh, my God, it's Friday. What happened in Sailor Moon in Japan? And if I wanted to, like, once I found video clips, it would take, like, three hours to download five seconds because right. it was dial-up. So I'd be like, oh, but I, there's Chibi Chibi in this one. She's in Sailor Stars. You don't understand. They're, like, arguing with my family. I'm like, you can't, you know, use the phone line because back then you... You that was the whole thing. The like, phone line. Yeah. No phone line internet, using the internet. You couldn't be on the phone at the same time. <laughs> My dad's like, there is a business call that's coming in. And I'm like, but I need to see the new transformation sequence. I, I mean, need it. Yeah. What's more important here? Well, when I was really into my, my Sailor Moon fan fiction days, um, when I would update like religiously every week, um, there was one week where I needed to submit to this big fan fiction archive, which was called a Sailor Moon romance. Oh, and okay, my, yeah, my father needed the phone for a business call or to wait for a business call. And I was like, I just need to go online for five minutes so I can send them my new chapters. There are a lot of people waiting on this. And he's like, no, we can't. And I'm like, you know, oh, through a fit, you know, crying in my bedspread, <laughs> whatever. And I, I think people were like, what happened to Leanne? She wasn't there that week. <laughs> my chapters, because I had been doing it like really fervently. Um, but it's like somebody needed the phone. That, that That's what could get in the way of like your creative vision. Leanne, I literally remember that week. <laughs> oh my God. Because I'm not like that much younger than you, but the difference at that age, I was like, she must have had like some real grown up problems. <laughs> I'm going to tell my father you said that and be like, see, I wasn't. Yeah. And they only updated that archive once a week. So your yeah. t- window was really limited. Yeah, you used to email it to them and they'd post it for you and you'd send it as a .txt file. And then .txt wouldn't necessarily work on all browsers. Like it would, sometimes you would have to do this horizontal scrolling, which is the worst. Oh. So I got into the habit of making my own tabs on both sides of the page. So I'd write it in text and then like when the, the line, yeah, so like when the line got to the end of the screen, I would just push enter. So like you can't really um, put these old fanfics like you know i have hundreds of pages of fanfiction i couldn't put it together in a book now because there's like all these these artificial paragraph spaces on every line oh actually that was the only way there's oh. a real easy macro for that oh really yeah oh, okay um, well i don't, I don't want to revisit my fanfiction that's fine <laughs> just hypothetical but just in case you ever need to like convert an old text file if you just you can do it like by paragraph you can like select a paragraph and get rid of those line breaks oh okay yeah cool. i do it for work a surprising amount <laughs> 
<laughs> my fucking job. Mm. Um, okay, so then, obviously, there is two versions of the anime. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've been talking a lot about the Japanese show, but obviously it was brought over by a Canadian company called Deke, translated into English, and they had to change a lot of things because they thought that it would be slightly inappropriate for a North American audience. And also they were trying to give it to kids. Yeah. So, and now stuff, I mean, in, in Japan it was also intended for kids, but stuff that's for kids, everybody watches. Like, you know, One Piece is technically kind of for kids, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, and the stuff that they give their kids tends to be a little bit, it's not bogged down by sort of the, Puritan and the decency standards that we have here. So some stuff will make them really freak out. Um, but it was also really homophobic, which was one of the, the biggest problems. I personally really, really love the Deke dub and there are a lot of reasons I love it, but the unforgivable thing that they did was they erased all gay content. And yeah. Sailor Moon always has been and always will be incredibly queer and not just in the sense of sort of like, there's so many girls. And of course, a couple of the girls are making eyes at each other. Um, but they also had things like gay villains or just people in drag all the time. And they just like erased all of that. There was, um, I mean, they cut out kiss scenes and stuff here and there, but they also had this villain, Zoocyte. Um, they who, made him a girl. And I had yeah. no idea that that was a man sort of in drag until like I was significantly older. Yeah, he was sort of an effeminate, I mean, he was, you know, and yeah, we write these guys a lot of the time are really effeminate. And, and honestly, everybody in Sailor Moon is pretty darn effeminate. It's yeah. super shoujo. But like literally there's a scene where Zoisite is pretending to be Sailor Moon. He's dressed as yeah. Sailor Moon. He looks exactly like her. And he lures Tuxedo Mask, who is uh, Endymion <laughs> Reborn. It's like his super identity into mm-hmm. like a warehouse and then slips off his Sailor Moon costume to reveal like his pantsuit underneath. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. I remember and, being really confused by that because they had cut out all of this other stuff about his character. Yeah, and the fact that, well, the reason he was gay in the anime, I think, was, well, and he was also in a relationship with one of the other generals, too, Kunzite. one of the other guys. Yeah, Kunzite or Malachite, and again, I shouldn't reference these deep names. Um, but in the original manga, I don't think he was he was gay because they had this whole thing about how for, the four generals who worked for Queen Beryl were kind of with the four sailor scouts there was there was one picture that yeah uh, Naoko Takeuchi drew where it was like each of the generals had his arms around one of the the princesses that um the other sailor soldiers and this they called it the the picture that launched a thousand fanfics because it was like the only part of canon that implied that there had been any kind of a relationship between these guys uh back in the day but there was a scene early in the manga where Zoosite got in drag to go on a um, you know, a TV show to kind of lure Sailor Moon out or something. And I think there was some, one of the people watching it being like, wow, that woman is really beautiful. Um, because Naoko Takeuchi was really into a lot of her characters doing drag. But I think that the anime kind of took that idea and ran with it. And they were like, and yep, then, it's a woman. Yeah, because he wasn't, I mean, whether or not he was gay in the original manga, it didn't really come up, but he definitely wasn't in a gen- uh, in a relationship with the other general. So, um, and she had done so much other other. You know, she, she had queer issues throughout. There was some stuff between Mars and Venus that was pretty... Um, yeah. Yeah. But wink, wink kind of thing. And then, of course, famously, Uranus and Neptune are definitely gay. And when they dubbed them over in English, they They're made just cousins. cousins. And best <laughs> friends. Yeah, kissing cousins. That but. was the really weird episode where they enter, like, uh, I forget what kind of contest it's supposed to be, but essentially it's, like, a romantic partner's contest. It's, like, who has the best relationship or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And the way that they had to work around that in the dub <laughs> because they had made them cousins and best friends and everyone was like, you're entering a romantic contest together? Yeah. 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 So there was some weird stuff. But I mean, like you said, I love the dub. I have like yeah. so many. I mean, I still have two weird old VHS tapes on my bookshelf in the living room because like, you know, I have some key episodes like A Crystal Clear Destiny Mm-hmm. Um and oh fuck, what's the last episode called? Day of Destiny. Tree. Oh, Treed was the next season. That that was always my favorite. The end of the first half of the oh, war. that one is. So they good. fought the life tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, I agree with you. There, there was so much about that old dub that was just. I mean, it was so funny. Uh, like they, they would really have fun with it. It introduced me to really dated slang like nut bar and dreamboat, <laughs> <laughs> which I started I- using and. Now I feel like <laughs> I no longer realize how dated they are because it's kind of like there's certain aspects of um, your vocabulary that you got from Ninja Turtles that like <laughs> it was like Calabunga. Yeah, like why are people saying like these words? <laughs> it's like well because I just watched the Ninja Turtles movie and that's how they all talk. But yeah, um, and you know not all the acting was good, but some of it was you know some of it was good. Uh, the the lady who did Usagi was great. I, I can't think of her name right now. Um, but it was it was more like a Saturday morning cartoon. So they kind of buffed it up. They they wanted to match the lip flaps a little better, which is this whole thing about dubbing over anime. Yeah. They want the, the words to match the mouth mouths, and then they would cram all this extra dialogue in. They would put more jokes in, they'd put more puns. Um the same thing with what they did to Digimon when they brought it over. Yeah. I, I really liked the English version a lot. It, it kind of added a lot more that, than what was in the Japanese and had a lot of fun with it. Um and got like a good cast and stuff. But yeah, the, the Erasing the the queer issues was out of line. I mean, again, you got to remember that this was sort of the mid nineties when, like, even back then, people were sort of struggling to get, you know, Will and Grace. Oh my God, Will and Grace is on TV. You know, yeah. Uh, it, we've come a long way since yeah. then. But at the same time, it was like, <laughs> really, guys. And then when they came back and did S, like, because the first two seasons came out something like five, eight years earlier than when they started doing seasons three and four. It felt like um, forever it, waiting for them to do any more Sailor Moon. And by the time yeah. they did it, like I was almost too busy to watch it or had seen it all online already. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever actually watched the dub of season three and four because at that point they were like, well, now they're not gay anymore. And I was just like, what are they even doing? Like they're yeah, releasing it, it on really DVD. Weird. Like, who are you fooling anymore? Like everybody knows that this was what the original was like. The internet was really becoming a force. We all knew. Yeah, exactly. We could just Google that business. Yeah. Um, One of the interesting things about the dub is because it was a Canadian content or a Canadian program or done by a Canadian company, they Mm -hmm. had to follow the rules of the CRTC, which makes all the laws around like Canadian television and radio. Uh, so they had to add in these moral messages at the end of each episode. Sailor Moon says. Sailor Moon says, which were actually like, I don't know. I thought they were good. I liked them. but Oh, they were great. Oh, I, my God. I literally thought they were part of the original when I watched it, right? <laughs> and then when I watched the subs and I was like, where's the Sailor Moon says? Like, where's her message about, you know, <laughs> just eating right and maybe exercising more or like being good oh to your God. friends and telling the truth? Definitely my favorite was when they did uh, either Crystal Clear Destiny or, or Day of Destiny. W- one of those ones where they actually found out what happened in the past, where they were teleported to the moon and they had their 
horribly traumatizing. This is how you all died. This is how your mother, who's long dead and is now like a fairy, is telling you about your destiny, whatever. And then at the end, they have the silver moon says, and it said, Queen Beryl did a terrible thing when she destroyed the moon. But we can do, we can destroy the earth if we're not careful with not yes. recycling. <laughs> it was like, don't litter, kids. <laughs> It was like a weirdly, you know what though? They got you at the right time because you're all riled up and you're feeling really emotional. And then they're like, you better recycle. And you're like, I better recycle. Oh yeah. And you know, to, to deviate very briefly on sort of the culture of Sailor Moon in the nineties. And again, the way fandom worked back then. So um, as MK said, it was a Canadian production. Uh, they did the first season and like three quarters of season two. I think it was a total of 60, 50 or 60 episodes. Yeah. And then they stopped sort of mid storyline and they weren't going to do anymore. And they this was like a me. big thing that people were like, oh my God, I want to at least finish the season. How could you do this to us? So um, one of the Sailor Moon, uh, they had something called SOS Save Our Sailors, which yep. was like this online campaign that was trying to get kids to like write into their local TV stations and be like, do more Sailor Moon. Um, so they organized something called a ProCot, which I don't know if it's an actual word or they made it up, but they were like, let's pick one item that was advertised on Sailor Moon. I think they were still showing reruns on TV. Mm -hmm. So they said, let's pick one item that's in the, um, commercials. the commercials and buy all of them and, and tell them that we're doing this to to show that, like, oh, people are going to want to do commercials. If you do more Sailor Moon, there's going to be a big audience. Um, so they decided uh, Pop-Tarts was one of the things that they advertised during Sailor Moon. And they're like, well, that will keep so people can go buy it in bulk. Um, so they were, they organized a day where they're like, all these Sailor Moon fans go out and buy all the Pop-Tarts that you can like in all the markets around the country, well, two countries at that point, because Canada, Canada and America are working together for this. Um, and from what I hear, it worked. Like, it, it sent kind of a message that they were like, do more, you know. Yeah. This was part of the big campaign to try and get more Sailor Moon. So they did end up dubbing the rest of Sailor Moon R, which was the second season. But they only released it on Canadian TV. So if did you they were really? A, yes. So See, I had no were, idea. Yeah, I was in America at the time, and... Um, so you had to find a friend from Canada who would tape it off TV and send you the tape so that you could watch the rest of it. And I had a very important VHS that, um, one of my friends had given me and, uh, like she lent it to me and then like somebody else wanted to borrow it. And like, then she almost lost it. And I'm like, you don't understand. These are the Canadian episodes. Like these are really hard to get They're over the border, blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of a oh. <laughs> thing. You had to have the. Like, you know, that secret, the imaginary girlfriend in Canada, you needed to have that Sailor Moon connection in Canada <laughs> in order to get these episodes. And people were kind of, uh, you know, they were like really high value to them. Um, Cause back then, you know, you just put it in the mail <laughs> and like hope it gets over the border and um, <laughs> just hope they don't inspect that and say like, you can't ship Sailor Moon to America. <laughs> well, at that point too, it was like, you would tape it off the of TV. So it would have like Sharpie on it being like Sailor Moon and then like all the smiling faces everywhere. <laughs> Perfection. Yeah, I definitely have, like, an old VHS that I made myself of trying to perfectly record a Crystal Clear Destiny so that I had my own copy mm, with, like, yeah. no commercials. Yeah, same here. I, yeah, I used seeing... to organize them by, by original air date, and um, <laughs> I had, like, labels that I made on the computer and printed out, and, like, yeah, I, I mean, that's what you did. You had no option of buying Just, it. Just, like, like, sitting like, in front of the VCR, like, hitting that button so hard and so fast. Yeah. <laughs> or try, like, I remember I had to get the the antenna on my like that oh my god my tv i didn't get really good reception so i was like oh god it's not working what happened i can't be duct tape oh my god it's like five <laughs> minutes. i have to record this and 
I was also kind of the anime dealer at my school, so people oh. would come to me at lunch, and they're like, I need these episodes of Sailor Moon and these episodes of Shigiyugi, and I'm like, all right, well, you're going to have to chip in for the next subject, because this shit doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my family used to, like, deliberately try and interrupt me, because, uh, yeah, they did not know at that time that I was on the autistic spectrum, and they just thought it was hilarious how mad I would get. Oh, and I'm like, God. you're literally breaking my heart. <laughs> Nothing is more important than this. Yeah, no, I I remember that too. Like my parents would come in and I'd be like, Sailor Moon is on. Yeah, it was not. This isn't a really healthy development. (laughs) It is a common, a commonly shared one. It's very common. I mean, I listen. Like literally, my family thought that one, this was going to be awful for me and really damaging, and two, they were like, it is way below you. Like you should be reading stuff that is older. Um, and it was like, like just not allowed half the time. They were like, oh, fine, watch it like before school, as long as you're like out the door on time. Yeah. But, um, I just remember like after like six years of not getting any Sailor Moon stuff for my birthday or Christmas, despite like my entire birthday or Christmas list, just being anything Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. I asked my mom like outright, like what was going on? She was like, you will be over this really soon. <laughs> and every once in a while, I like to be like, hey, mom, it's been 20 years. Guess what I still love? <laughs> I'm the worst child. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, and now I hear that trying to get Sailor Moon items like we want. You know, we didn't have a lot of money back then, but you wanted to buy something. You wanted to support it. You wanted stuff. And you could get these picture books that they released. They were like, meet Sailor Moon. They were two of them. There's a blue one and a purple one. I have the blue one. Yeah, I had both of them, and I, I traced oh. all the pictures of them so I could learn how to draw poorly and things like that. Yeah, um, I used to go to Chinatown because then I discovered that um, Chinese kids could watch it on. Uh, I, I assume it was on TV in China. Yeah, um, it was dubbed over in Chinese, and you could go get those tapes from Chinatown. Um, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is more Sailor Moon!" Now, granted, I didn't know any Chinese, and it didn't have subtitles in any language, but it was still a big fucking deal. So I'd go to Chinatown, and I had a couple friends who were Chinese. Um, I think I met because, you know, again, they had a Sailor Moon sticker or whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's like a hologram sticker. Who are these extra Sailor Scouts? Oh, my God, what are those? Starlights? What is that? And they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I watched it, you know, when I was in China or, you know, I got these tapes like, in Chinatown. This is old news. Yeah, and it was just like, and they could get the manga, too, uh, yep. in Chinese. And it would be actually cheaper than Japanese imports. And so I'd have all these books. And I was like, what is all this Sailor Moon that I didn't even know existed? And, yeah, I learned a little bit of Cantonese because <laughs> I watched them so many times. That was why you could watch things like S, like the third and fourth and fifth season, or get the the movies, again, which weren't released um, here for a long time. Oh, man, um, I had only been downtown Toronto twice before university. I was not allowed to go to the city. Oh. There's no Chinatown where I grew up. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, so at one point... We found out that my dad had been cheating on my mom for like 10 years and they were getting separated. And shortly after it was my birthday and he was like, come to Toronto. We'll go for a fancy dinner. I'll buy you whatever you want. We'll have a great mm-hmm. evening. And I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to get Sailor Moon stuff for like the first time ever. And we go to a nice dinner and then we're walking around and literally we were at like university in Dundas. And I was like, where can I get Sailor Moon stuff? And he was like, I, I don't know. Because he was, like, a 40- or 50-year-old man. <laughs> and I was like, he was like, what else do you want? And I was like, nothing. nothing. <laughs> and I basically, like, just went home really sad and upset. Oh. And I was like, this is really dumb. But this was also my chance. 
<laughs> yeah, chance. no, I, I remember having very similar, this is so weird. I, I think there's like the shared community like of of Sailor Moonies when when you were that age and you were getting involved in fandom and you had really really limited access like no access that's why I love yeah. cons and they and they were so much out there because this was an import so in the same way that like you know because it's not like fandom hasn't existed since the beginning of time but this was something where we were basically given a tease of something from another country and you couldn't get access to it anywhere here so it was like you, not only did you have to know who to go, you know, where to go and, and how to get it, but like you didn't know what language it was going to be in. You didn't know what areas you could go at. Um, I went when I was a senior in high school, I think we went to uh, a New York trip for orchestra or something. And all I could think was like, oh my God, we're going to New York. I can go to Chinatown and buy Sailor Moon stuff. Although I think at that point it might have been Fushigi Yugi. Mm. Um, but like, you know, basically, basically, that's how you get fan subs. You go to Chinatown and they'll have bootlegged. Um, you know, Japanese fan. At that point, I could get Japanese fan subs with English subtitles, but back in the day, it was just like, you know, somebody had taped off of TV Sailor Moon dubbed in Chinese, and and how traumatizing that would be if you couldn't get it. Because, like you said, you would wait a year to go find it, and then not really know where to look, or you know, it just how are you going to fund your? How are you going to fuel your obsession? You knew there was so much out there. <laughs> I also had the problem of so I got like ten dollars a week allowance, but. Mm. I didn't have access to a car. I lived in a suburb with, like, no anime anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, the, I wasn't allowed in Toronto where this stuff actually is. My internet access was limited because I'm, like, the youngest of three. Like, literally, it was just, like, there was no way for me to get this stuff until the year that I lied to my parents so that I could go to a convention. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> snuck out of the house for three days through some <laughs> magic and excessive lying. I feel like this another way to title this episode would be first world fandom problems (laughs) so it's like you don't understand how traumatizing it was that i couldn't buy sailor moon stuff it was really upsetting and i realized that like i was extremely privileged but i'm still like i'm still mad about it (laughs) well when you're it's that kind of frustration you have when you're a kid right that you're like i know this this is one thing that i want have it yeah, I don't want a lot, but I really want it, and here's the money, and I'm willing to do it, and you just didn't have the access. I mean, it's kind of like anybody whose Wi-Fi goes down for a couple of days, where you're just like, what am I going to do with myself, you know? Yeah. It seems so dumb, but especially when you're like 13 or 14, and in the case of, I don't know if this was the case with you, but it certainly was for me, Sailor Moon had become so, like, so much of my socialization was around Sailor Moon, and I was kind of, you know, I had a little bit of this... Um, I, I don't like girls thing when I was young that I was like, I want to be one of the boys and yeah. you know, sort of gender issues. And I hadn't really embraced my femininity until Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. And, um, and even then it was kind of a slow process. Like, you know, we did Halloween and stuff. I dress up like tuxedo masks. I'm like, well, I want to wear pants and stuff. Um, it but, definitely made me more comfortable with being female. Exactly. Like it was, and, and like you, and I think like a lot of Sailor Moon fans, we grew up, um, in fantasy, you know, like we read a lot of fantasy novels or, or yeah. science fiction novels, and those are traditionally really male. Um, the way that they consider things like valor and success and um, heroism are are these male qualities and female qualities are like, you can be an enchantress or, you know, you can be Guinevere who's like hot and, you know, betrayed Arthur, or you can be like an evil witch. But it wasn't like, like Sailor Moon, which was like a world of just women. The men were like, the side dressing. Yeah, like... Tuxedo mask. Okay, so he again, barely has any lines. Tuxedo mask's job. He's literally just support. So she will like almost like so. It's like a, a monster of the week. The way that Sailor Moon is structured, at least the original show, and to a point, the manga mm-hmm. that 
you know, something, one of the bad guys, one of the four generals, Queen Barrel, whoever the villain was, would be like, oh, I want to go suck all the energy uh, of the populace and then use that energy to fuel the negative force or whatever. Um, so they send a monster to go in and suck people's energy. There'd be some sort of undercover thing. And then Sailor Moon would show up and rip the mask off this person and it's a monster. And then she would have to fight them. But usually about halfway, three quarters of the way through this she fight. She would start failing. She'd start failing because, you know, she's a kid. Something would go wrong or whatever. And then Tuxedo Mask would show up, who's a guy wearing a tuxedo and a little eye mask and a top hat. Would throw <laughs> would throw this razor-tipped rose to kind of like, and it hit the ground. They had this animation they'd always use. <laughs> Where it's like the, it, the rose hits the ground and there's like a spotlight on it and a couple petals flutter off. And then the candles, the camera zooms up and he's there standing on a telephone post being like, Sailor Moon, believe in yourself. <laughs> and she'd be like, you're right. And she'd get up and use her wand. And then he, he was just, just there the to night. make her feel good about herself yeah, and cause and a like, distraction. Wait, don't go, I love you. And, you know, who's the man behind the mask? And then of course she'd go home the next day, she'd run into um, Mamoru and she'd kick him in the shins and be like, fuck you, man. I'm hoping to get there one day. And I like, see no mask. I wanted to get there one day without seeing your ugly ass face. And he's like double middle fingers, like backing up double middle fingers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was, he was there to be pretty. He was there to be, you know, he's the he love interest. Yeah. And he was like, and he wasn't emasculated either. I mean, he was there as this kind of like, you know, he's in a tuxedo, right? So he shows up and he's like dressed really well. And he's like this masculine force being like, don't worry, Sailor Moon, I'll protect you by teaching you how to protect yourself. Yeah. I'm not even teaching you, but encouraging you to protect yourself. So it's not like he was the damsel in distress, although he was often the damsel in distress. He as got well. amnesia like every 20 minutes. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of people got amnesia, got killed in that show, and then came back. But he was frequently evil or brainwashed or kidnapped. Yeah, brainwashed well. or amnesia. Like, he had just the weakest brain in that show. <laughs> he was easily dominated. So easily dominated. But yeah. his, his power was being, like, a motivational speaker, essentially. And yeah. that was kind of great, that it was just this guy who just wanted her to succeed. Yeah, and, like... And there were issues, um, I mean, this didn't happen as much in the show. It happened more in the manga where, where the two of them had a, a closer relationship. But, you know, he would be the shoulder for you to cry on. Like, yeah. that if you felt weak and you were like, oh my god, I just need support, he'd, like, hug you and stroke your hair and give you a kiss and be like, go kick their ass, you know? And you so would. Was, like, she would. She would just she throw would. and, like, kick some ass. And you're like, she is always the hero. And that's part of what makes this great. Aside yeah. from the sheer diversity of female characters. Yeah. Like, just seeing the first time that um, Makoto appears on the scene, mm -hmm. when, like, Usagi is trying to go to school, and she's running late, and she's got her lunch, and she bumps into two thugs, mm -hmm. and they start hassling her for, like, lunch money or whatever. They're basically trying to mug her. And this mm -hmm. beautiful girl with beautiful rose e earrings, and she's so feminine, just, like, German, not German suplex, but she just, like, grabs <laughs> this, like, giant dude by the arm and, like, Phew! slams him against the ground and is like apologize to this beautiful lady <laughs> and you're like oh my god i kind of want to be her oh yeah and then she would but she had her own complexes where she's like am i not feminine when i'm punching people so she'd like bake and she'd be like oh i just want to be pretty and wear frills and then evil would show up and she'd be like jupiter smash and then she's like uh oh was that not feminine oh, oh well i should probably keep smashing though <laughs> yeah but she had like some really interesting like issues with the portrayal of women essentially in society and you totally yeah. empathize with her yeah there's actually oh, one of my wrecks for this week is somebody wrote an article for i think it was either the mary sue or the toast um, but it was called Sailor Jupiter and Me and was talking about a woman who was discovering she was queer when she was a teenager and how um, Sailor Jupiter and Sailor, you know, Sailor Moon in general, but there was an episode about Sailor Jupiter talking to Uranus and Neptune, um, Haruka Michiru, about being feminine. And Haruka 
sailor Uranus. Uh, so Uranus and Neptune are both gay, and I don't know if Neptune was bi. I don't think that was ever even established. I yeah. sort of think they're they're both lesbians. They're just um, super in love. Yeah, they're they're super. I, I guess it's kind of irrelevant, right? Because she only has eyes for Haruka. Yes. Um, but Haruka, the first time they met her, she wore. I mean, she, she dressed like, like a, a man. Yeah, and she she wears the male school uniform and stuff. So she's you know kind of perpetually is she in drag or does she just do this? She doesn't correct people when they call her a man. When she wears this, the sailor soldier uniform, of course, she's wearing a mini skirt and heels because they all do. Um, but it was like there was an episode where Sailor Jupiter met them and was like, what does it mean to be feminine? And, you know, because uh, Sailor Neptune is hyper feminine and Sailor Uranus is kind of uh, butch. And they were like, what kind of a question is that? There is no right way to be feminine or something like that. It's like whatever it is to you, right? Whatever it is to you. And it was like so beautiful. And she was talking about how this like helped her recognize that she was queer and, and, and kind of helped her deal with her femininity. I mean, and this was like one episode out of 200 and Sailor Moon was constantly full of things like that, where it's like, and it wasn't just believe in yourself. Cause I mean, there was plenty of that. And that was kind of the underlying theme. But of they everything. really had like a lot of great messages. And I mean, yeah. these characters were great role models for young girls. They're all yeah. like, I hate this term, but like they are strong female characters. Yeah. They're complex and they have problems and there are things that they're working through that are like, female issues or just human issues mm-hmm. and they're completely well-rounded which is amazing because people were like oh anime it's for kids and you were like actually i think i'm learning a lot from this program but like thanks for your yeah. bullshit opinion <laughs> yeah i mean just like you said sheer number of women i mean the originals you know the first two seasons which had sailor moon and the the uh they call them the inner soldiers the jupiter mercury mars and uh, venus and then, of course, the well, there are two cats, one male, one female. There's Sailor Chibi Moon, who is <laughs> Sailor Moon's daughter from the future, shows up. Um, a lot of them had, there were a couple of boys that were sort of like one-shot characters or whatever. Mostly it was just Tuxedo Mask was like the one guy. Most of the villains were female, or at least the head villains were. They were like, every season you'd have all sort of like one head villain, and then they'd have sort of sub-villains. That's always the um, interesting thing, right? Like, not only was the Moon Kingdom a matriarchy, and apparently all of those other planets were a matriarchy, but also the evil was a the matriarchy. Evils, yep. Yeah, the, um, I don't know if Metalia, who was sort of the, I sort of think she was supposed to be feminine as well. She's she was just kind, kind of, of feminine. evil force. Said Queen Beryl, obviously, who, I mean, so Queen Beryl's the villain in the first season, and she's also the villain in the live action. I do not know why there was not Queen Beryl Knight at drag clubs, because she was basically invented to be a drag costume. She's, like, eight feet tall, wearing, like, this strapless, um, low-cut purple dress. She has, like, huge red hair and giant fingernails, and she stands over this like scepter with this like floating crystal ball and she just rolls her giant hands around it and she's like bring me the energy of all the uh, you know all the people on earth and i will suck it up and use it for evil and she's just amazing she's so amazing whoever played her yeah whoever played her in the live action like as soon as (laughs) i saw her i was like holy shit the anime came to life like it was perfect in every way well, apparently the lady who played her in the live-action version was a big actress in Japan, like, who was a little bit older. She was, like, an established actress. Well, she did and an they, amazing job. Yeah, and they, they filmed it all. The Dark Kingdom was in a cave with, like, fog machines. Yes. And she's just like, why didn't you bring the energy? And they, <laughs> these her sub-guys were all these men, these generals who were these kind of, like, almost... Um, they sort of like the... They almost look like... Uh, like Chinese um, communist uniforms. Yeah. They're kind of like, yeah, like gray and up to the, sh- the the neck and stuff. And they're all on one knee. And she's like, why did you fail me? Like, I'm sorry, Queen Meryl. She's like, nonsense, destruction. Yeah, I will kill you. Oh, yeah. she's so great. 
so great. And when she did the standoff with Sailor Moon, at least in the anime version, she like turned like a hundred feet tall and yes. was just like this massive force of evil, you know, oh. this evil woman. And Sailor Moon's like, I don't have to be big to kick your ass. And like, I have the power of all my friends and this one tiny crystal. And you're like, but that's great, right? Because when you're watching yeah. this, you're a kid. And that's like, the reason that people like Sailor Moon is for a little bit, at least, the same reason that people like Superman. It's like, what can't you do? What yeah. are your issues? It's like, I can't go where I want. I can't do what I want. I'm too small. I'm a girl. I can't, whatever. It's like all of the things that people want when they're a child that like you need this superhero as like a wish fulfillment like what do I want to do and Sailor Moon it didn't matter if she was clumsy or a little bit dumb or small or whatever she was like I'll do it I'll win and I'll do it on my own merit with just like the help of my friends yeah and I think that's why Sailor Moon was so much more of an effective message to someone like you and me Uh, Because Disney, when they did things like Power of Heart and The Small Guy Can Still Win and, you know, Brains Over Brawn, it was always really obvious that they were doing that. Like, they would sort of simplify the message and they'd be like, you know, I mean, a lot of times, to be fair, Disney was working in the hour and a half format for those movies and stuff. But Sailor Moon felt like a really organic process that, like, these people felt really real the, even though the answer was sort of be a good person was sort of the underlying answer to all things, they dealt with all these varied kinds of little problems. And the way that they they won was usually they had a lot of things to get through first. And not just personally, but also they kept dying. Like they kept dying. They'd die a lot. Yeah, or they'd get the crap kicked out of them or they'd get separated. But there's or, also stuff like, like Usagi will backslide emotionally or something, but in a way that yeah. like you're like, I would do the same thing. And then she's like, exactly. you know what? That was dumb. I need to work harder. Yeah, so it it felt real, like that. Those sorts of like pro self esteem, you know, messages went through in a really like subtle way. Like you could see, you could see it in action, and the kids could really relate to that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this yet, but I re- recently wrote a chapter for an upcoming academic book about global manga, and what? I did a chapter about Sailor Moon um, and how it sort of empowered a generation of girls to do their own comics. But part of Part of that that I was talking about was sort of it empowered girls because, it, like you said, every, everything about it was so femme positive that it was this is a world of women. Like the men had a role in it, but it was really about the women. And it didn't say this is about the women. It just was unspoken. Like, yeah, they're all women. They all have issues. Let's deal with these issues. It wasn't even girl problems, even though so many of the problems they dealt with were distinctly parts of the feminine experience. Um, they're just human problems. You know, yeah, like, Ray has, her father is never around. Makoto's parents died in, like, a plane crash or something. Mm-hmm. Ami never sees her her mom, but she also has to, like, basically take care of herself while being a genius and not being an outcast at school. Or, yeah. I mean, the stuff that Sailor V goes through, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, and, and when you look at sort of the fantasy, you know, sort of Western fantasy, you look at things like King Arthur and, and, and science fiction and, and Star Trek and stuff, these are all baseline male narratives where they're you know the main male character and the experiences are more male and the women are kind of othered this was the opposite where it was sort of the feminine experience was the was the common one and the male was slightly othered even though like we said the way tuxedo mask was handled he was a really great character everybody you know and all the girls that watched that show wanted him he was yeah. sort of like the sex symbol too i mean if, if they didn't want the sailor scouts obviously because there are plenty of queer girls or that you know you discovered a lot oh yeah but it, so it was a combination of like flipping that that perspective from male gaze to female gaze. Um, but also 
in the context of Sailor Moon, femininity specifically was power, which was demonstrated in the final season, um, Sailor Moon Stars, where they met these three young guys who were like pop stars. And they were also Sailor Scouts. But in the case of the anime, they actually had to change genders in order to become superheroes. So they would be boy pop stars by day. And at night, they would literally like their bodies would transform into feminine bodies. And then they would have their magic powers. So it was like (laughs) you had to lose your dick to get magic, essentially. This is one of those things, though, where like I'd never watched the dub of Sailor Stars. And I'm like, how did they handle that? Because they were so... There is no dub. They never did it. That's That was the... Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why this re-release is such a big deal, too, because, like, for the first time ever, there'll be Sailor Stars will be released in right, the West. Right, hold on, we because... need to explain the re-release. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're not going to change it this time, because they're like, <laughs> why would you change it at this Why point? would you change it? It's great. Okay, so, yeah. the point is, Viz is re-releasing all of Sailor Moon, uncut, uncensored. Uh, you can buy it on Blu-ray, you can stream it online. It's on um, They already started. yeah. Um, they redubbed it with new actors as well, but, like, you can watch it dubbed in English or subtitled in English with Japanese dialogue. Like, everything is amazing. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I have think, been, like... I don't know if the dub is out yet. Okay, uh, but it will be. The ones I saw on Hulu were subtitles, but yeah, it will be. And apparently, I think now Kotekuchi, the original uh, manga creator, I think she approved of the casting choices and stuff. And yeah. The, the Japanese... Uh, well, we'll go into Crystal in a minute, but... Yeah, sorry, you can continue. No, that's about it. It's just, it's a really exciting time for Sailor Moon, right? Like, we had, it's been a couple years since the live action. This is coming out. The new Sailor Moon is coming out. Like, everything is just happening so much. Oh, yeah. So great. And and also, like, now that the manga is available in English, too, because uh, Tokyo Pop, which, again, was Mixed Entertainment back in the day, brought out all of Sailor Moon a long time ago and then went out of print for a long time. Um, there was sort of a, a famous falling out that Naoko Takeuchi had with her original publisher, Kodansha, in Japan, and all the licenses around the world kind of fell apart, including in, in English language. So the manga wasn't available. The, the old DVDs, again, they never did stars, but the other four seasons, those went out of print. Um, but now you can get the manga, and then you can see some of this stuff, you know. I just talked about the starlights and how they, they literally lost their penises in order to get magic. I think in the manga they were always women. I kind of think they were women in drag. Like, I think their, their male oh, pops really? persona were drag. I mean, it was just, there's so many amazing layers to this about gender and, and sexuality and femininity. And it's so unbelievably, unapologetically femme positive. I don't know if you heard about this, but they are doing a launch party in Japan for Sailor Moon Crystal, the new season that's coming out. And it's sponsored by um, a woman's magazine in Japan. And this, like, limited, it's like a pre-screening, of, which is a big deal because everybody's like, oh, my God, the first Sailor Moon in 20 years. Um only women are allowed at the event. Yes. The, only, the only men who are allowed, they have to be escorting a woman. <laughs> like, you're only allowed if you're coming with a woman. <laughs> okay, this is one of those interesting things where, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Japan that gender-wise, and this is a little bit of a segue, I think is fucked up. But <laughs> one of the things that I thought was really cool is when we were there, uh, the Hoiden and Prue and I, we went into a giant, like, eight-story arcade. And we were going through, and we found this floor that had a sign that was like... Basically, boys aren't allowed on this floor unless they are escorted and accompanied at all times by at least one woman. Mm-hmm. And they had signs about it, like, everywhere. They were like, are you a boy? Are you alone? Get the fuck out. And <laughs> I thought it was amazing, like, to just have, like, a, a female-only space in that kind of business. Because, like, there were no boys-only floors. You could yeah. go to, like, the shoot 'em up floor and it was fine. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, part, some of those, like, the women's only cars on the train were because women were yeah. getting harassed too much. 
or uh, like groups and stuff. Um, this the idea of separating male and female spaces, um, which can get a little tricky with trans stuff if you have really close minded yes. people. But um, that's not that uncommon in the East, at least from my experience. I mean, like I my family's from Syria and I've been to Muslim countries and they separate men and women all the time because they're like, well, women don't want to have to wear all this clothes. You know, they have to wear all this, <laughs> the hijab, you know. Um, around these men and when they want to party they're like I don't want to be wearing like all this clothes I don't be wearing like a prom dress and like be like like grind dancing and stuff so they don't allow men so it's just like all women parties and I gotta tell you these all women parties were fucking off the hook they were (laughs) so I think that in the west it's kind of a a crazy concept to us but yeah like you said there are areas in 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 eastern countries for various reasons obviously in Japan it's not driven by sort of the Islamic um, undercurrent of men and women separation but but it's um, just a nice experience. It is. I know there was a, I don't know if this is the the place I went to in Tokyo, but um, there was a, they have these like butler cafes, which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably know what the maid cafe is. We went to a maid cafe. It was yeah. hella uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's women sort of serving you um, like in maid outfits, but they had boys love cafes. So they had butler cafes where they're men serving on women. Um, but I went to a boys love cafe where it was women dressed as men serving women and I think that there was a period of time, it was like after 3.30 or something, no men were allowed, period, in there. It was just women dressed as men serving other women. Like, then you're like, <laughs> this is a women's only zone. You know, like, uh, that, well, that's how I spent my 30th birthday, actually, being served by these really awesome women in yeah, drag and awesome taking time. my picture with them. Yeah, it was it was really great. Because it was kind of like, and we, we, I mean, my Japanese isn't very good, but we sat and talked about our favorite voice actors. Cause they were all into boys love stuff. And yeah, we yeah. had like, you know, and you know, shoujo and stuff. So we talked about who's our favorite Oron high school <laughs> <laughs> boy and like, stuff like that because they were just fangirls too, but they were like living out the male part of the fantasy yeah, um, for girls and sort of a safe space for women. And, uh, and the same way that like, sort of when you go shopping for geek stuff in Japan, you have Akihabara is sort of the, boy it's implied shopping. that it's sort of the boy otaku place. And then if you go to Otome road in Ikebukuro, that's oh. sort of where all the, the female gaze geek stuff is. Otome Road is the greatest, and I need oh. to go back. It was like a fever dream, particularly since as you go towards Otome Road, I don't know if you went to the Starlight Cafe. No, we went there first. We stopped, and we were like, <laughs> we're eating fancy ice cream, and my ice cream had cornflakes on it, and it was amazing. <laughs> the Starlight Cafe is like right on the... I forget the name of that strip, but it's sort of like the Sunshine 60 strip. And yeah. you're heading for all these doujinshi and shoujo and boys love and yaoi shops. But the cutest it's like, cafe. Yeah, it's a cafe that's like a couple floors up and it like has these big, you know, it's all glass. So you can kind of look out down at the street. And it's Zodiac and, themed. Yeah. So all the drinks and snacks and, and desserts are all based on like, you know, astrology and, and Zodiac signs and everything is like in star-shaped glasses and it's, it's so all cute. pink and, and purple and brightly colored and everybody there, you know, like everything is painted in the, the starry. <laughs> and I know that like dudes, I've seen dudes go there and like, um, we saw like some families pictures. there, but it was clearly yeah. like, cause the cutest cafe. So and, like, cute. And it's like the first place that you stop and you recharge and then you go and you buy doujinshi. You just like me. fill up with doujinshi by all of it. Oh God. Oh, yeah, so, so good. Yeah, but, so this idea of the female gaze in Sailor Moon, even though Sailor Moon was huge in Japan, um, the way that they split out shoujo and shonen, like, uh, shoujo is, like, stuff for women, quote-unquote, like, you know, yeah. female gaze stuff, uh, shonen is male gaze, um, you know, they've been separating out, they're like, let's cater to women 
for, I mean, women have been writing shoujo since like the seventies, the fabulous 4090s kind of started. Mm-hmm. And that, we went into that a little bit in the Yaoi episode. I won't go into it now, but um, so when that came over here, when you have something Sailor Moon that is so strongly female gaze and was kind of riding the wave of this shoujo by women for women stuff that had been pioneered and sort of in the late sixties, early seventies, when it came to the West, we didn't have anything even comparable to it. And it just kind of blew our little Western minds. <laughs> I'm from sort of like the old school My Little Pony and Jim and She-Ra, which I mean were were good in in, in themselves. They were they were great. Shows but it's a very kind of- different kind of female gaze. Like nothing yes. compares to having grown up on things like Jim. And I watched a lot of like quote unquote boys shows like Spider Man and Batman and Ninja yeah. Turtles. And to just sit down and every morning before school, I could watch half an hour of just ladies being ladies, kicking mm-hmm. ass, and like so much representation like oh yeah my friends group was never so represented on the screen as they were in sailor moon yeah and also they dealt with things that you know jem and and she-ra and and my little pony which were really for a younger audience did which is like they dealt with gender issues and sexuality issues and didn't shy away from that i mean and when also, Sailor Moon first came out over here, there was a little bit of the concern that it's like these girls in microskirts and high heels who were doing these poses that look like a little Victoria's Secrety, and this is that kind of like yeah. you know strutting a little bit that this was like a show for kids or whatever. I mean, obviously teenagers were enjoying it, and it wasn't shying away from talking about sexuality. And like, there's Sailor Moon's boyfriend, and she's gonna go save his ass because the evil queen brainwashed him, and God knows what she's doing in <laughs> that castle. Like, go save your man. Like, <laughs> And not just that, but things like, I mean, there's an episode where Ami-chan has to move away, or they think that she has to move away, and they have to go through the whole process of, like, if you have to go, you have to go, even though it's breaking our heart, and, like, all of your friends are here, and, like, oh, I was yeah. so, like, I was just crying watching that episode because a friend of mine at that time had moved from my little suburb in Ontario all the way to Vancouver. And it was like, we will never see you again. Yeah. That like, that is an entire ocean away. Yeah. Sad. But it's the kind of thing that like, as a kid, you need that to relate to. Oh yeah. And things like, you know, babysitters club. And there were a lot of books that were kind of catering to this general idea, but never like a big budget bright cartoon show that also had kicking ass in it. So it was integrating like Sailor Moon integrated so many things that were kind of touched on in a bunch of other media and put it in this beautiful package and just like, you know, the, the easiest to swallow, right? Like brightly colored TV shows. I mean, how else are you going to get kids engaged? That's the easiest yeah. to a kid's brain. Um, plus it was like toys and, and, you know, the merchandising and stuff. And within Sailor Moon, it was like her, you know, she had magic weapons, right? But they weren't a sword. They weren't an ax. They were like a wand or a compact, like, oh. Silver Mercury had all these great little, like, handheld computers that looked like it was, like, eyeshadow, but it was a computer. And, there like, it was two things that I desperately wanted in Sailor Moon. Like, I wanted them so badly. One was Sailor Mercury's pocket computer, which was, like, my dream come true. I was, like, a computer that fits in my pocket? Yeah, it's called a cell phone now. But <laughs> at the time, that was, like, beyond the scope of my comprehension. We're really dating ourselves. <laughs> I know. Um, but the other is, and it, this is still completely applicable today, the transformation pen. Oh, shit. Oh, man. She could fucking morph with that thing. Usagi like had sh- this pen, and she could be like, moon power, turn me into a beautiful flight attendant. And it would be like, boom, haircut, outfit, you're older, your boobs are bigger, like, whatever. Or she could be like, I want to be whatever. And she would just change. There's a scene in the manga where she's like, turn me into a handsome groom. 
So I can seduce yes. this evil monster dressed as a bride. Yeah, so she turned into a dude. It was a shape-shifting pen. Yeah. That, like, and she would, there were a couple episodes that were cut out of the, um, when they brought it over uh, the first season, and they were like, why did they cut out this episode before it came over here? And it was things like, turn me 21 so I can get into that club. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, oh, what I wouldn't give even today to have that oh, pen. Yeah. Can you imagine not having to, like, figure out your outfit in the morning? You're just like, turn me into a professional office lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah look oh, how professional i am oh yeah plus she'd be like you know i want to be a nurse i gotta be a ship captain all these things to get into these areas that she needed to so it was like spy reasons yeah it's funny because luna was always like don't abuse this and she's like oh, i'm gonna abuse the fuck out of this. <laughs> of course i'm gonna abuse the fuck out of this like there was one point where she had to get into a really important party and she's like oh man i've got to turn into a princess from a foreign kingdom and i'm gonna make up this nonsense title for myself and Luna's like don't go crazy she's like shut the hell up (laughs) shut up I'm gonna be the best princess bigger dress more diamonds more roses on this dress oh man that was that was one of the episodes I remember had to write that for the kids book so it must have been in the first we only did the up until the introduction of Jupiter we stopped to write then so I think it was might have just been the Jedi or Mm -hmm. Jedi and maybe Nephilite arcs but yeah um that one, it was like, she met Tuxedo Mask, who was also undercover at that party, because he wears a tuxedo and a mask. So just <laughs> but it's a different like, tuxedo and mask. Yeah, I don't even think it was different, because nobody, he's not, like, flashy, he didn't have fandom. Oh, and like he didn't have his cape on, right? He just, like, did not yeah. wear the cape for that one. Exactly, so he met her at that party, and they fell off of a balcony. And she uses her pen to turn into a parasol to float them down to the ground gently. Yes, and they cut that out of the TV. I was so mad. They didn't want kids to do it, to jump off of balconies. it was so romantic. It was super romantic. Okay, before we get too sidetracked, I think we should answer, we have three questions from people on Tumblr. Okay. Um, So the first one is from Barograph, who wants to know, did either of you have the North America Sailor Moon soundtrack? Because I occasionally still find myself humming Rainy Day Man without realizing it. And I'd like to know if other people have that problem. Cry. Oh my god, I think, I, I think I'm going to remember all the lyrics. Yes, the answer is yes. I, I had, had on a cassette and later I got CD when it upgraded. I had two CDs for Sailor Moon. One of... No, wait. There I only two had two CDs? Sorry, I only had one. It's from Misremembering. Uh, and we went on like an overnight field trip for school. And somebody on the bus stole it. <gasps> I will never forgive whoever that was. I don't know. I don't like them. Oh, man. There was a, a parent once who was talking to me with their kid reading the, the novels, and they were like, oh, she's like, yeah, we got the soundtrack for the anime, and, you know, the, it's really catchy. We play it in the car. <laughs> together. I knew all the, like, oh, my God. There was one point where I think I composed a harmony part for one of the songs, right. and I played it on the keyboard. While, I mean, it was just my entire life was around Sailor Moon for a couple of years, so... Yes, that was a great, that was actually really great music. Some of them were adapted from the Japanese, like the Japanese, and some of them they added. Um, it's a New Day, I think, was added. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Starry Sky? Starry Night? Or Starry, or Starry Night, something like that. That yeah. was very similar to the Japanese version for the first half of the song. I and fucking then loved that soundtrack version. so much. Oh, God. Yeah, the song when she's beating Queen Barrel. Oh, when I had my own disc so man, all I did was listen to that mm. on repeat. Yep. Yeah, that, I liked the Ninja Turtles band earlier than that, but yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Next question. I added a rainbow. Says, obviously the manga and anime are different, so what are some of the differences that you think work for or against them? 
Do you want to field that or do you want me to field that one? Uh, If you want to start, I'll follow up. Yeah, I think um, the manga was, the the, the anime was more kid-friendly and also uh, everything Mooncloats had said about being really diverse. They dealt with a lot of issues in the anime that the manga didn't really touch on. The manga is a little bit more poetic and symbolic. Um, It's sort of, the first few volumes are very similar to the show and then after that it gets really serious and... um, kind of ethereal and like, like it's, it, it's prettier and, and, but less gritty, less realistic, I think. Um, so the show, which was a lot funnier and kind of went into a bunch of little stuff and they really expanded and kind of had fun with it. The manga is like more, it is prettier and I think a little bit less relatable, but at the same time, the, the, the manga deals with more queer issues than the show. I mean, I don't want to say more queer issues than the show because the show had a lot of queer issues. Um, they dealt with it a little bit more fragmented. They'd be like, this character is gay, this character's in drag, whatever. In the manga, they kind of blurred a lot of those lines where it was like, you weren't sure who was gay, who wasn't, you weren't sure who was a woman and who was a man, you know? Yeah. She liked playing with those lines a lot, which is really interesting. Yeah, there were a lot of characters that I wasn't sure what their gender was, and I didn't care, it didn't matter. Yeah. It had no influence on my enjoyment. Yeah. Um, I would say that the manga is a lot more romantic, and that yeah. Mamoru's character is significantly improved. Oh, yeah, he's like a psychic in the manga. Yeah, he like, has like some crazy brain powers, which is hilarious when you compare his like super weak mind of the anime. <laughs> he uh, also has reading glasses and an earring. <laughs> oh, his reading glasses were like my mortal weakness as a child. I was like, ugh, that's really working for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... He also had a lot more kind of spunk to him. And in the, in the, in the anime, it's almost like, well, like in retrospect, seeing it now, I almost feel like he was kind of on the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, like if, if you watch it again as an adult, like he's not, you know, he has very particular things that he does over and over again. Like he'll show up and he'll help them and then he'll leave. But he almost like has trouble communicating with them a little bit. And you know that he loves her, but he doesn't really know how to show it and doesn't usually show it. And like, so, so, Seeing it, like, once I kind of thought of that, and that was a pretty recent kind of thought that I've had in rewatching it, that puts a really interesting spin on his character, especially compared to all the, the, all the other kids. Um, but in the manga, he's, he's like one of them. Like, he's, uh, he's, you know, significantly younger. He's a high school kid instead of a college kid. And he's like, you know, given as good as he gets and sort of like running around with them. And he's still kind of like the older guy, but he's not so distanced. And I feel like his personality in the anime was so, was distanced to the point where it almost felt like he was on the autism spectrum, which, you know, again, is kind of another representation that you're getting there, even if it wasn't explicit. Yeah. So he's, he's really like, he's inadvertently really funny in the anime. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. I'll say another point in favor of the anime is that, the episodes that are really well animated are beautiful. <laughs> the ones that aren't are pretty ugly, but the ones that are really well done are astounding. Um, but also, like, there's some stuff that is just, I feel, much more powerful in the anime. Like, A Crystal yeah. Clear Destiny, like, I will still watch it and cry. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't I can't get over that. That's forever. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that, like you said, the, the manga is more romantic. Uh, partially because they blurred, you know, again, some of these sexuality gender lines. And it's also important to note that she bangs Tuxedo Mask in the manga. And she, yes. She does it in the show. Now, granted, in the show, he's quite a bit older, but there was this infamous scene in volume five of the manga, which is pretty early on, where she's like, you're turning 18 in a couple months. What do you want for your birthday? 
And <laughs> they had a conversation and, you know, push came to shove or whatever. And then the next morning she comes out of his room and she's like wearing his shirt. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like if you had seen the show, th- this is just kind of like scandalous beyond, you know, beyond the extreme. And I'm not going to spoil the end of the manga, but there is kind of a love scene. I mean, it's not like, you're not seeing them bone or anything. But, but she like is, like, morning. completely naked and stuff. Yeah, there's, like, a morning after scene where they're talking in bed and stuff. So, like, they, they even though, like, the future says, oh, you're going to get married, you're going to have a baby and stuff, you know, in the, the anime, that was very much, like, he'll kiss her every once in a while. Yeah. And it's usually really climactic. But in, in the manga, they were dating, like, you know, and they were sometimes sexually active with each other. And um so when i was a kid i didn't that kind of freaked me out so i think in many ways the manga is better for an older audience the the anime is a lot more kid friendly that that stuff is like again you know gay characters were kissing and you know in tuxedo basso kiss sailor moon and everything but it's almost like those boundaries can be a little bit more helpful for kids i think Mm -hmm. um I mean, it, it, you could really go either way with that, but sometimes not having boundaries and separating these things out and saying, this is appropriate for here and this is appropriate isn't. The fact that Naoko Takeuchi did whatever the hell she wanted with those characters, regardless of what, you know, her, you know, the age of the audience and stuff. I had trouble with the manga when I was young. I, I thought it was a little bit much for me. I, I found it confusing and a little bit alarming. <laughs> I definitely just... found it confusing. I think yeah. it wasn't alarming to me just because if I didn't understand something, I would just skip over it kind of. Mm. I'd be like, I don't know, some That's stuff fair. happened. More importantly, what's happening with uh, with their true love? Yeah. What's happening there? And the villain of the day thing is really more of the anime, and that gives you a nice framework that you knew every episode was going was gonna to have that. They did build, you know, every season had a, a plot that was building the background. They did a really good job of building the overall plot while they're doing these little episodic things. Mm-hmm. The manga doesn't really have villain of the day outside of, like, the they first really couple They really zip through things. Yeah, so it's like, oh, here's this bad guy, and now this person is kidnapped, and now you got to save them, and now they're evil. And um, also, when Tuxedo Mask, he gets brainwashed in the first, was the first season? Yeah, the yeah. first season. And in the manga, he got a little bit more sexual when he got brainwashed. It was really weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, putting his arms around her. And she, like, this was before they were dating, you know, before they even knew who each other were. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like the manga's better for an older audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, um, one last question. Volp's Volp. As someone who missed the Sailor Moon train the first time around, but might be interested in checking it out, where would be a good place to start? Are there any can't-miss episodes? Every episode is a jewel. Every episode is a jewel. I've actually been working on a list of first-season episodes as we've talked. Mm. (laughs) Um, It's a little bit long. Okay, so, my recommendations, and you can feel free to argue with me or insert things. Okay. Obviously, you have to watch the first episode, because that's how she becomes Sailor Moon, and it's fucking magical. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to watch the third episode, which is a mysterious sleeping illness. Protect the girl's hearts in love. <laughs> is that where she meets Mercury? Uh, I think so. It's the one no, with the, no, it's the, one with the flower brooches. Do you remember, like, people are sending in their, like, tragic love stories to a radio station? Oh, yeah! And if it gets right on the air, they get this, like, flower brooch, which is really hideous, but they're all like, it's a sign of love or whatever, and it's literally sucking the energy out of them until they pass <laughs> out. Um, but I thought that was great, because she, like, breaks into a radio station and has a showdown. That's true, yeah. Oh, that was so early. Right? <laughs> literally the third episode, she's like, fucking, yeah. I'm breaking into a radio station tonight. <laughs> Um, the seventh episode, which is Usagi learns a lesson, the road to stardom is tough, <laughs> which is, uh, she and her, like, completely normal, regular human girl best friend 
enter a talent contest that is obviously an evil trap. <laughs> um, and, you know, their friendship is strained by their dance practices, which sounds dumb, <laughs> but it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, episode 10 is where they meet Sailor Mars, who is great. Did they meet Mars before Mercury? Uh, no, I skipped over the episode where they meet Mercury because it's fine, but I don't really like it. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, not much happens. They go to a cram school, and Sailor Mercury sure does exist. Yeah. Like, it's not exciting the way that the Mars episode is. Yeah, that's true. Plus, I mean, Ray's background at the temple is actually really important to the plot of Sailor Moon. It is, yeah. Whereas, like, Mercury, like, she's a smart girl in Usagi's class. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. She's, she's pretty easy to sum up, at least in the beginning. Yeah, she gets more complicated later. Oh, yeah. Well, because she was huge in Japan that they did. Huge. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Ami-chan's First Love. They did, like, a short movie just about her. Because, yeah. like, and apparently, from all the male Sailor Moonies I know, she was, like, the biggest crush. Like, Which men I, fucking love her. I found it baffling, but... You know, I mean, I like her. I just didn't see her as, like, the most... For me, Sailor Venus is the greatest, because Sailor V is so cool. She is so cool. I, I was a... Well, I like Sailor Moon the best, but I like Jupiter, too. Yeah. I like Sailor Moon really great. the best, I mean, and Sailor V a close second. Yeah, it's really, like, there isn't one who's better than the other. They're all so great. They're all um, great. With the exception, some, when you get to the outers... <laughs> I actually like, really liked Pluto and Saturn, even though Saturn was a baby half the time. Yeah, Pluto and Saturn got really trippy, so I can see how they wouldn't be that relatable. Plus, isn't Pluto a lot older than everyone else? Well, okay, she's... She, she exists outside of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't age. Yeah. For all we know, she's been awake since the moon was destroyed. <laughs> Just hanging out. Just hanging out by the, the time doors. The saddest soldier. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, episode 13, which is literally called Girl Power, The End of Jedi. Yes. So good. They, that was the one where changed it to the power of hate in the books. <laughs> good. But they, you know, they have a fight at an airport that involves, like, jetliners. Mm. How exciting is that? It's great. It is so good. Um, episode 16, The Dream of a White Dress, Usagi Becomes a Bride, which is where there is a wedding dress contest, and if you win the wedding dress contest, later they will pay for your wedding, even if you are single right now. Yes. Though, I was gonna say, I hope you put the fucking wedding dress episode in there, that The wedding so dress great. episode is so good. She's like, I never learned how to sew, but I'm gonna sew a wedding dress and win this contest, and at that point, Sailor Mars is like, that is the hardest thing in the world to sew. You're an idiot. Stop trying to make me do this with you. And then immediately goes to Usagi's mom and is like, I need you to teach me to sew a wedding dress. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so that's great, but also in that episode, they have the beautiful love story between their sewing teacher and her, like, kind of goofy short fat fiance who everyone is like you are way too good for that guy and she's like we are in love and they are and it's beautiful yeah that's another great lesson in there right um, it's like she doesn't care what he looks like they're in love and he is a wonderful man mm. um episode 18 shingo's innocent love a sorrowful french doll terrified me absolutely <laughs> terrified me as a child because uh the villain of the day turns these dolls into, like, flying vampire dolls, and they're horrifying. But Shingo is Usagi's little brother. The brother, yes. Right? And he's yeah. in love with this girl who is a huge Sailor Moon fan, and he wants to impress her by, like, making a little clay Sailor Moon figurine. And yes. it's adorable. Um, 
episode 22, which is Romance Under the Moon, Usagi's First Kiss, which is the one where they go undercover at a ball. Yes, that one. Oh, that was that their first kiss? That was their first kiss. And she gets really drunk. She's they cut that out of drunk. Version too. She's like hiccuping and like almost falling off a balcony and then they start making out. It's great. <laughs> In retrospect, you should not have started making out with her when she was that drunk and 14. Yeah, but it was still very great as a child. Yeah, it was great. Did he know it was, she was still, I don't know if he knew she was a kid. And I mean, he, I think he like, knew she was Sailor Moon, but he Yeah, know, he doesn't know how old Moon. she is. It's kind of unclear. It is, I gotta say, even though the, the, it's Doug Consenti, um, it was really beautiful, the, yeah. the way they kind of did it. And it was very romance novel-y. And, yeah. like, Sailor Moon doesn't do that very frequently, but when it does, you're like, oh, man, get, you know, go to the ball with this guy and well, plus carry I feel you out like, on the balcony. This is really weird, but, like, the way she was drunk, almost like she was connecting better with her past self, because she says a bunch of things in that scene yeah. that are, like, about the Moon Kingdom, even though she doesn't know any of that yet. Yeah, and and he sort of takes her out to the balcony, and he's like, "I'll leave you here tonight, or whatever." And she pulls at him, or whatever, and he's like, "Maybe one kiss." Or I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. And then, obviously, to make you cry, the next one is two episodes back to back that like you will just cry. <laughs> Episode twenty three and twenty four, which are both about uh, Usagi's totally normal human best friend who has been in love with one of the evil generals all season. Oh. God, so good. And he's been sort of using her, but he sort of falls in love with her. And I, I, I don't know if I can, I can't spoil it for you, but like, no. you're going to cry so much. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, the forbidden love. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's so these are so good. Right? Okay. Episode 28 is probably in my top three episodes of all time, which is illustrations of love. Arusagi and Mamoru getting closer, which in English was called an artful attack. Oh, yeah. Right? So uh, a painter basically asks them to pose for this painting that she's making, which is totally of their past life selves, <laughs> where they're super in love. And they have to, like, sit on this couch all day and be in love. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's when they first really start feeling things for each other in the anime. Yeah. Um, episode 33, The Last Sailor Warrior, Sailor Venus Appears. Which oh, is yes. uh, the one where Zoocyte cross-dresses and is super terrifying. And also Sailor V appears. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. Um, you didn't put Sailor Jupiter's first appearance in there. No, her episode is fine, but again, not that exciting. I don't know. I like that part where she beats up all those people and saves Usagi. I mean, so do I. But that's like the highlight of the episode. That's true, I guess. I mean, I would say watch them all. But these are my <laughs> yeah. highlights. Uh, just as a side note, I think that when it comes to anime, a lot of people are like, oh my god, there are way too many episodes, where do I even get started? Sailor Moon, although there's a total of 200 episodes, like, they're broken up into these arcs, and, like, each season is somewhere in sort of the 30 to 50 episode range. Yeah. Um, and it's a really coherent, you know, you have Monsters of the Day, but it's a really coherent plot. There's, like, totally new villains. Season 2R was actually split in two. There's, like, a two seat, like, a group of villains, then they leave, and then there's, like, the next villains. So, like, there's not, there's, like, there's not much in the way of filler episodes. Like, like some of considered. Them, yeah, like, there's some of them that are better than others, but, like, most of them are all building towards something. So, and you can marathon a season in, like, a weekend really easily. It, it's not like One Piece where there's, like, 700 episodes and all of them are, like, you know, they yeah. have certain filler arcs that are, like, 
separate from the manga and whatever. This was all built off of the manga. They didn't, with the exception of the first half of R with the, the two aliens, that was completely anime original. Um, everything else is sort of built off of the manga. So they're always building towards something. So uh, it's one of the few long shows that I would say you might as well just kind of watch all of them. Yeah. Like, I'm only covering some season one stuff here. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, for a variety of reasons, we could talk for like six hours about this. Yeah. And we have, but <laughs> repeatedly. Okay. Next <laughs> two are back to back episodes that, again, you're going to cry and you're going to love it. It's so great. Which is um, episode 34 and episode 35. The sparkling silver crystal, the moon princess appears. And <sighs> memories return, Usagi and Momoro's past. Oh, God. Which are basically when they find out that Sailor Moon is obviously the moon princess. And so much shit happens. Oh, all at once. It's like she and Zexeter Mask are trapped in this elevator. And, oh, my God. Oh, oh so good. it's so great. Okay. <laughs> episode 36. Usagi is confused. Is Tuxedo Mask evil? Which is the first time he gets brainwashed by the enemy. And the it's first time? The first time. It's really upsetting. <laughs> Episode 37. Aim to be a princess. Usagi's weird training, which is where she literally goes to, like... <laughs> what do you call that? Um, it's like manor school. Oh, yeah, like a finishing school. Finishing school. She goes to finishing school... I mean, partly to fight evil, but partly to be more princess-like. And obviously she's awful at it, but she, like, this is one of those great message episodes where, like, it's, like, it doesn't matter if you know which fork to use at dinner or whatever. What matters is that, like, you're true to yourself. Yeah. And the way they cover it is, I think, really good. 38. The snow, the mountains, our friendship, and, of course, a monster, too. <gasps> Beach Bunny Blues! Was this right where they're skiing? This is the ski one, yeah. Yes! <laughs> I don't know why that ski episode is so great, but, like, literally, if you mention the ski episode, anyone who watched it is like, Jesus Christ, I love that episode. Well, there was a lot of... I think that might have been when Sailor Moon and Sailor Mars were sort of fighting over Tuxedo Mask, because in the anime, at least, this was not in the manga, uh, Sailor Mars and Tuxedo Mask kind of have a fling, maybe? Yeah. Like, she's sort of... They're kind of rivals in his affection, but at this point... And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hurting their friendship a little bit. And they were always kind of antagonistic with each other. But now the Tuxedo Mask is evil, and they're both kind of traumatized by it. And it it's like the two of them kind of bond over that. And then it, it's just, it's They, like, so overcome great. all of their issues, and it's, it's really great. Yeah. And it's, like, full of drama and excitement and cute snow clothes. Yeah. Okay. They're all, like, bundled up for the snow. Yeah. Which will lead you into, even better, the skating episode 39. Oh. <laughs> which is where they have to go into like a skating rink and there's a fight but what's great is evil tuxedo mask still pair skates with sailor moon to help her defeat the villain <laughs> because he's still in love with her even though he's evil <laughs> these are so much better just trying to summarize them for a new audience <laughs> the show is amazing if i wrote episode summaries for sailor moon they would be the best and the worst <laughs> Clearly. They go to every single possible setting that you can find in Tokyo. There's one point where they go to, like, the hot springs and the mountains. Oh, fuck, and... I love the hot springs episode. Yeah, just, they go everywhere. They and, like, really do. under all these different backdrops, they still have a villain of the day. They still have to fight him. This tuxedo mask will still show up. They'll still be, like, with a villain. You know, the, the overhead villain will come in and make their speech at the end. But they're always building towards the bigger plot. And you get these great backdrops and all right? these new problems. And Oh, oh. so good. Okay. I'm almost done, I swear. <laughs> 41, I won't run from love anymore, Ami and Mamoru's showdown. Oh, God! 
when he when he whips out his sword. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So which is not point, a euphemism. No, no, no. There's a point. So he's evil for a while. I'm not going to spoil it, but when he uh, at the point where he turns evil, he had just sort of discovered who he was in a past life, and he has he has a couple different forms. Like he, unlike the Sailor Scouts, um, Tuxedo Mask kind of he has different incarnations. Almost um, they go into this more in like season two and stuff, but. Um, he can actually kind of take on his prince form from way, you know, from way yeah. back in the day, which essentially he's in full armor with like a broadsword, and you know he still shows up at tuxedo mask and throws roses at people. But when he's evil, obviously he's not giving them support anymore. He's way more effective with a fucking two-handed broadsword. So there's, uh, you know, but he doesn't always whip it out because he's kind of conflicted, you know. Yeah. But this episode where he goes head to head with Mercury and her power is bubbles. And he's in full armor, like, armed to the teeth. And they're, like, in the back alleys of Tokyo in the middle of the night. And he's, like, trying to hack her in half. And it's amazing. It's so amazing. It's, like, the best Mercury episode for oh, season yeah. one. It's so dramatic. And, like, and he, swi- he I think he switches for him. So he'll sometimes be Prince of Damien, sometimes Tuxedo Mask, depending uh, on what he needs. Because Tuxedo Mask has other powers. And it's just, it's, like, edgier seat. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, and then... The climax of the series is three episodes, 44, 45, 46, which are 44. Uh, the, like, fairy spirit of Queen Serenity explains all of the past life shit to them. Mm-hmm. 45 and 46 were one episode in English, but two episodes in Japan, which is basically they teleport to the North Pole, they decide that they're going to defeat Beryl and Metalia, and everyone fucking dies. And it's heartbreaking and beautiful, and obviously the power of friendship saves the day. Yeah, it's super epic. And it it's also the first time that the first season, like, because all the seasons, they sort of have their areas where people will die, people come back, you know, they'll have But this is, battles. like, brutal. Yeah, this is, like, the, the first kind of primordial battle. And I think in all of the seasons, um, with the exception of maybe the final season, which I won't go into, which is also kind of really trippy the way the final battle is in that this one was like really great i, I think probably the best final battle of like Absolutely. all of these seasons and it's like really tragic and epic and, and emotional and uh yeah like like mk said it was two episodes in japanese when they brought it in english they cut it down because they didn't want so much violence <laughs> you don't really see the people die in the english version you just know that they are dead or that they are unconscious in the snow is kind of implied yeah, it's like, oh, we were kidnapped by the Negev or something. And that, this is also what Sailor Moon has to go against Tuxedo Mask with a broadsword. And um, he he had been wavering for a while between good and bad. Well, and she so has like, the, the Ginzui show that she can kind of, like, she starts trying to heal him every time they meet. And it will, like, work a little bit, and then he'll be swept back to the Negaverse. Yeah, but at this point, it was like the queen had caught on and, like, re re um brainwash him and now he's like super brutal and it's a really brutal scene and i think that's why they they cut it they were like no way can we show this to an american audience where this guy with a sword is like hacking at his girlfriend and she's like crying she's like don't i love you and he's like whoa this is really fucking dark yeah yeah but it's fantastic i want to go watch all of them i know i'm like i'm like oh thank god it's the weekend except i have like so much to do (laughs) okay adults now (laughs) Being a grown-up sucks. Yeah, agreed. I think we should wrap up with Lynx and Rex. Do you want to go first? Uh, okay, for my Rex, uh, I, I mentioned the, the great essay about being queer and Sailor Moon. I think it's called Sailor Jupiter and Me. Um, oh, it's on the toast, yeah, so now I have the link in front of me. That's really great to talk about how Sailor Moon was really empowering for all different kinds of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I also, there's a Tumblr that I found very recently that kind of rekindled a lot of my love. Um, it's called Sailor Failures. It's literally sailorfailures.tumblr.com. It's kind of, I think it was originally meant to be kind of a joke blog, but it's really just a, a celebration of all things Sailor Moon. And it's funny and it makes fun of itself, but it also takes things super seriously when it needs to. It is always up to date on the most, uh, the most up to date information in terms of, you know, the Sailor Moon industry and the new products that are coming out, like the toys, um, Sailor Moon Crystal, obviously. So it's like, it's like your one, your one stop Sailor Moon place. And it's so funny. And they, they, they will do great tags. They started a meme that was about Mamoru, the fashion model, because there was some, <laughs> episode where he's like yeah i was a male model for a while it's something like random that's supposedly so, how he's paying for like his university and stuff yeah because he so, doesn't know whose parents are right yeah exactly he's like an orphan and so he wears hideous the most hideous fashion you can imagine so in awful. The series buzzfeed so had people, a post this week that was just like what are his worst outfits let's do this yes but the uh, Sailor Failure started a meme where people would reimagine his terrible outfits as like fashion model shoots and then redraw him doing like, like modeling all these clothes. And it was so great. So there's tons of stuff on Sailor Failures. I totally recommend it. I got, um, <laughs> I got retweeted or retumbled the other day because his new voice actor in Japanese does boys love and I linked them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, here's some porn for you guys. Here's some porn. Um, enjoy. Uh, the last thing that, I don't know, you might cut this if I don't end up doing this, but I did find somebody who uploaded all those terrible Sailor Moon novels that I did, uh, which I thought were lost to time, but now you can find. Uh, do not read them if you want something good. But at the same time, they are kind of a, um, they're sort of a time capsule because they came out in like 1999, 2000, um, back when Sailor Moon was still, it was like not the first wave, because Sailor Moon first came out over here in 95, but there was sort of a rebirth when the manga came out around 98. Um, so they're, they're really fucking bizarre and horribly written, but, um, I'm trying to, you know, not, I I don't want to slap, do a a metaphorical slap in the face to all the people who supported me and the kids who liked those books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you've complicated feelings. We can, I'm, I mean, I'm going to edit this tomorrow, but I'll post it on Sunday. So if you don't want me to use that link, just email me. No, I mean, I I should probably get like, it's, they, they are really weird. I think they might be funny if you're not taking them seriously. Nice. Like, as long as I was able to defend myself and say how bad they are. <laughs> so, Go do ahead. not read the Sailor Moon novels if you want something good, but if you want something hilarious. Uh, we did have a lot of fun with them, and it was a very different time. Excellent. And they were pretty fanficy too. They were all kinds of changes for no <laughs> Success. Whatever, you were like a young sort of entrepreneur. Congratulations on your life. <laughs> Is that what, why I ended up at Sparkler monthly? The <laughs> my soul. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so my links for this week are another Tumblr that I follow is SailorMoonCollectibles.tumblr.com, which is basically my shopping list for if I ever become a millionaire. <laughs> it's like everything I've ever wanted and some stuff I didn't want. Like, she literally just posts all of the shit that you can buy for Sailor Moon in Japan, and it makes me, like, I just, I want it so badly. <laughs> Did you see the the lesbian lip gloss that came out? Yeah. Yeah. Japan. Yeah. Um, Another one is, there's a girl that I've been, like, following through fandoms since probably the 90s called Becker Bell, and she made this amazing live journal post that is just, like, extensive and has wrecks and, like, it's like a pimping post, but just explaining about why Usagi is a badass and, like, a great role model. Mm. Um, And it's 
really interesting. If you've never watched Sailor Moon before, or if you have and you're feeling nostalgic, like, either way, I recommend it. I think it's a great post. Don't be <laughs> freaked out that it's on Live Journal because that's when <laughs> this was posted. Yeah. And then I have two fan fiction recs because somebody did ask us for recs that we thought stood up. Mm. Um, and there are two that I always think of when I think of Sailor Moon fan fiction, and they're both by Jennifer Wand. Oh, you know, she was my own nason back in the day. Oh, she was so when, great. Yeah, like in the fan fiction communities, they'd have like, you know, I guess it's kind of replicated here sometimes with like senpai. Somebody will have sort of a senpai in a fandom. Back yeah. then we were like, who's my big sister, which is Onesan and, and or Onesan, I think. And um, we were more affectionate than that in Japan and um, Sailor Moon fandom. Yeah. And I loved her fanfics and we became friends and we used to go hang out offline and she was like, oh, my. I'm so jealous. Yeah, senpai. She's a great writer. She's so, so amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, these came out forever ago, and I'm still like, it's still great. I still love this story. So great. So, yeah. two stories. One is Darian's View, oh, yes. which is um, a retelling of the first half of the second season from Mamoru's perspective, but, like, in the dub. And yeah, his name was Darian. It's, like, exactly what I want from, like, a long romantic Sailor Moon story, because it's all of this canon, but you get to see this whole other take on it as he, like, this. the whole point is of season two um, at the beginning of it, none of them remember anything that happened in season one. It's like they've been reborn all over again because they all pretty much died at the North Pole. Mm. Um, and Usagi has to be woken up and remember everything and nobody else remembers. And she's like slowly waking up the rest of the sailor soldiers, but he doesn't remember. And she's trying to like reconnect with him. And it's it's mm. so painful and just beautiful. Um, and then the other one is called She Loves Me, which is about an artful attack, which is one of my favorite episodes of all time. And this is, again, his perspective. But at the end of that episode, basically, Usagi tells Mamoru uh, that she has a huge crush on Tuxedo Mask. And this story is just around the premise of him being like, she doesn't know it, but she loves me. <laughs> it's just really cute. That's so great. She, I, she was such an inspiration. She was such an inspiration. I'm so sorry to everyone. They're both on fanfiction.net. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they exist. But trust me, they're great. Oh, yeah. I Actually, even then, I remember fanfic.net was relatively new when we were doing that. Like, all of my fanfics mm -hmm. are still just archived on my site as text files. Because yep. we didn't even go to fanfiction.net. Uh, you go to a Sailor Moon romance. Yeah. So, yeah. Fan, I, like, I would consider that even more... I didn't. I don't think I got into fanfic.net until I was past Sailor Moon. Was doing Digimon fanfic. I'd say most of my stuff was like on my GeoCities website. Yeah. Or my yeah. home host or something website. It was like home something. Yeah. It was like a Wiseywig editor. Anyways, the Dark Ages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's it for us. Do you have any last yeah. thoughts? Um. You know, it, for those kids who didn't really try it the first time around, um, I know it's really hard when we <laughs> sort of talk really excitedly about, oh my god, Sailor Moon is bad, and just, you know, kind of <laughs> work vomit all over the place. But it's like every time that we've revisited it, um, and MK and I have done this at her house, you know, literally revisited, like, pull out the old VHS or whatever. <laughs> it so stands up. And it was so important um, for the Western sort of uh, fandom in the sense that, like, when we have, you know, we have all these groups of fandom in the West, right? You have the sci-fi and the fantasy and the, you know, TV and all that stuff. But I think a big reason that the otaku slash weeaboo fandom 
has so many more women and is so much more egalitarian it's in terms of gender and is less is because of Sailor Moon. Like, because it was one of the first big anime to come out over here and it was so unapologetically pro-femme uh, and female gaze that as a result, you know, it's like when, when Twilight got really big over here and San Diego Comic-Con was like, oh my God, there are all these girls stinking up the place or whatever. You don't see that at anime cons because they're like, of course the girls are here. The girls have always been here. Yeah. And it's sort of... Um, you know, the thesis of that chapter that I'm just, you know, <laughs> again, I'm not sure I'm not really supposed to talk about it yet, but I think it, it's coming out relatively soon, was basically that it just, it sort of integrated this pro-femme message in the very primordial um, sort of ooze of the otaku market over here and how how important that was for women to come in and like a celebration of the feminine. And as a result, now we have like girls who are making their own comics and girls who are spreading into other fandoms as well. And Sailor Moon helped empower them. It also helped, like, the male otaku kind of, like, understand the, the you know, a feminine perspective. Because Sailor Moon has a ton of male fans. This was not just for girls. Men fucking loved it. Because it's just such a great show. So even though it's one of those archetypal important things, uh, you know, that, that is really integral into the history of manga in the West. But it is also just so awesome. It is still so awesome if you go back and watch it. So mm-hmm. even if you watch the first few live action or even the anime and you're like, this is a little silly. I don't really get it really give it a chance because it is, it is, it will really surprise you. It is so sophisticated in its, you know, it, the way that it addresses these like quote unquote childish issues. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's really, it, I mean, it was pivotal for me. And I mean, if, yeah. if you start watching it, you're like, oh, I don't know about this episode. I think that that, I mean, I'm calling it a short list, but it is probably half of season one. Yeah. Is really like what I would say are the, the least fillery episodes they're the most content yeah and i mean there's nothing wrong with watching some of the high notes and then going back and re-watching everything i've done that with yeah. a lot of shows that's true yeah i think it's very easy if you follow her particularly for season one um yeah. i think at that point if you like those episodes and you go back then there's no reason to skip around anymore they're just all great but yeah use mk's guide if you want to see if it's for you and <laughs> There are very few people I've met who are like fandom inclined or like feels or, you know, or into sci-fi or fantasy or whatever who don't like Sailor Moon because it's just so good. It's Particularly ladies. so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just please, please watch it or pick up the <laughs> manga or if you have like children or something that you need to entertain, mm-hmm. I mean, you could watch a little bit of the live action and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's aimed at children. There were, like, diaper ads during that thing. <laughs> well, to the moms? Yeah, I guess. But there was also, like, you're a big girl. Here are some, like, Sailor Moon pull-ups that you can wear. Oh, man, really? Yeah, we got, like, the copy Ooh. that we had sometimes had commercials. And I was like, that's really young. But yeah. again, Sailor Venus literally has leukemia in that show. So, yeah, be careful. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they... they... They give kids pretty sophisticated stuff over there. Yeah. It's different from us. They don't always dumb it down, you know? I think that's actually better. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, again, I think the manga might be too much for a kid. Yeah. Uh, I think also just Sailor Moon Tuxedo Mask should not really be boning like, in front of kids. We all know they're going to bone because their daughter shows up. But, like, it's a little bit like I, I kind of appreciated it more being <laughs> off screen or left to fanfics or dojinji or whatever. What's great in the anime is when their daughter arrives and they figure out it is their daughter. She's like, holy shit, that means we have sex. <laughs> and you're like, we've been dating for, like, never mind. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. 
yeah. you're gonna rule this entire planet and maybe the solar system at some point and then maybe the universe so you do things at your own pace yeah and i mean we barely touched on the other seasons but yeah just trust us that there is a lot of crazy shit that goes down in Sailor Moon and it's all representational and it's all really like gender queer and sexuality queer and just fantastic. Oh yeah. I, I will warn people season four kind of went off the rails. I, I, yes, they call it supers with an S at the end. Um, it's really, it gets really cracked out. Like there's, there are three non-consecutive talking beach ball villains yeah. <laughs> and like, they just like, like the the villains get weirder, the 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 jokes get stranger. Tuxedo Mask's speech stop making sense, and everybody's just like, "Stop doing this, man!" Like we all know your heart's not in it anymore. Like it's almost like they started making fun of themselves. Which, if you have a, a sense of humor about Sailor Moon, which you should, I love season four. But I, I know some people have watched it. They're like, "What the fuck is this? What the fuck happened?" Don't definitely don't start on that season. Um, I think if you've watched other anime, it won't be that weird. I think when it came out over here, people weren't kind of used to the Japanese sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, but I but, mean, if you start from season one, everything will make sense. And you'll really get yeah. that foundation of like who these characters are and what this universe is like. Because it can be really jarring, unfortunately, watching something that is so female focused. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, plus there's a unicorn pegasus later so. oh my god i fucking love unicorn pegasus <laughs> who turns into a love interest yes that's right <laughs> he can be a boy and a unicorn there's nothing yes. wrong with that when she rides him it has all kinds of <laughs> 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 they oh, get engaged god. later it's great oh yeah there's there's like you can take makeup that turns into swords like in jewelry that turns into armor you know like shit like this it's just it is everything that you want and everything you didn't know that you wanted yet until you see it. Yes. Okay, we have to stop because literally I could talk to you about this like forever. That was <laughs> yeah. one of the problems when you lived here was us just being like, oh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're looking for more from Leanne, she runs Sparkler Monthly, which is an online monthly magazine full of like all sorts of manga and prose and audio dramas. And it's great. It is at sparklermonthly.com. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report, on Tumblr also as Slash Report, and you can email us at slashreport at gmail.com. Bye! Bye! I fucked that up, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> like I've lost track because I got too excited. <laughs> I know, it's hard not, right? It's really hard not to be excited.